0: Black Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Jack.
1: It's the Anna Podcast.
2: Wow, great. After all that. I
0: mean, what
1: was it going to I don't know. There's no... There's the th-
2: final flight of the podcast. Okay, great.
1: Congratulations. Good. Yeah, that's good. fine. I just didn't want to...
2: My name's David Sims.
1: Oh, hi, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman.
2: Uh, And welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David, the Podchowski casters. The final bonus episode. I mean, I feel like you could have put a point on the colon in between the two mm. things, but... I'm trying to move beyond colons.
1: Uh, I am too, because I got horrible diarrhea today. <laughs> trying to move beyond this <laughs> old colon, I Good got. Good
2: night, everybody. Got violent. Then turn off the podcast. <laughs> diarrhea. Um,
1: diarrhea, diarrhea, diarrhea. Right. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm having a diarrhea Um uh, Hi, everybody. We are uh, hashtag the two friends. Correct. Uh, you may not know us about us. It, this is sort of. What
2: that means is that we are two friends. Right. And, and is, we are the two friends.
1: This is the sort of proprietary thing that our podcast has going for it. Right.
2: That we are the two friends. We are the two
1: there friends. There are a lot of podcasts. Hundreds. Yeah. Maybe thousands. I've heard.
2: Are they hosted by two friends?
1: No. And here's another thing. I've met a lot of people who are like, oh, this is my friend. We're friends. Have mm. you ever heard of two friends? One, two. Nope. We're one, two friends. End of story. Hashtag yep. it. Share it. Put it on a pog. Slam it.
2: Share it with your friends. <laughs> so hot they're cool. So cool they're hot. Is that was that the pogs? <laughs> that catchers? was the pop stars. Uh pop, pop tart's um catchphrase.
1: Oh, yeah, put it on a pop tart. Yeah. All right. Um okay. So this is look, if it seems like we're uh avoiding the subject at hand, it's because, you know, this is a bittersweet day.
2: Mm. It's always kind
1: of sad when we end a miniseries. Yeah. And we always do this kind of bonus episode.
2: I'm not going to be able to live without these guys. I really am going to miss the Wachowskis. I love
1: love these folks. Yeah. They're the best. Uh, Lily and Lana Wachowski are good friends, uh, directors of (laughs) Bound, The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, God Bless You, was their fourth feature film. No, it wasn't. The Matrix Revolutions, uh, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas. Jupiter Ascending, and the Netflix original
2: series, Sense8. Right. Um, We've talked about all these things. Because
1: that's what we do on this podcast. We've watched
2: dozens of hours of content and given you dozens of hours of content. And that was
1: just Sense8. Woo! Dozens
2: of hours of content. Yeah.
1: Uh, Here's a fun fact for our listeners. Uh, After last week, when, when I binged all of Sense8 in one night, uh, I then got sick, and I've been sick up until this very recording. I heard you saying that. So is this, you're still sick, you're saying? I'm getting over it. I, this is, you know, this is my my last flight of the Phoenix or whatever, you know, the, of the Asire or whatever that <laughs> fucking thing is called. I'm getting better. That's what's happening right now is I'm just pooping out the remaining sickness. I'm doing fine. But if I sound a little uh, uh, congesty, uh, I, 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 you know, George Mucus-y, uh, that's, that's what's going on there. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about... Is what we do on this podcast is we pick filmmakers who had big success early on in their careers and they got a blank check to make crazy stuff. Yeah, and uh, the Wachowskis were subject for this mini series, and now the book is closed. And the reason we do these bonus episodes. We just, you know, we finish the filmography and then we're left with all these remaining feelings that we
2: need to put somewhere, right? So we pick a sort of... Yeah, sort of just uh, we can return to their aesthetic. We just yes. pick like a little thing we can dip back into. Here's like an adjacent piece of material. Now, so this is not something they directed. The, no, it's not. Oh, the, the mistake we made with Shyamalan was that we watched The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan, which was too weird for us to really spend much time in M. Night Shyamalan. We had to just talk about that weird thing. It's one of my favorite episodes. It, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. Johnny Depp kind of ruined it, though. Good episode, though. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Johnny Depp's future horrible actions kind of ruined that episode because we're so excited about Johnny Depp in that episode.
1: When you talk about the horrible actions, you mean Alice Through the Looking Glass,
2: right? Can we talk about Alice Through the Looking Glass for a second for not Johnny Depp? Have you seen it? (laughs) Yeah. I reviewed it for The Atlantic. Yes, I'm a film critic, and I reviewed it for The Atlantic. How is that tomato looking? (laughs) I gave it a rotten tomato. <laughs> I did because I get to pick. You know? yeah. Uh, some people don't want to pick, but I I like to pick okay, when t- I put my entry. Tell when, me about this movie. Well, it's not good.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I'd heard yeah. that.
2: And uh, it's just interesting because it is a blank check movie. You know, in a weird sort of a way. I mean, it's just a film yeah. where a lot of money has been lavished on something that I don't know that anyone can really understand why, except for money. You know, like except for the original movie made a lot of money.
1: Yeah, but it's kind of a fool me once kind of thing. One uh, like, hundred made a lot of money, but no one really liked it. Wasn't it wasn't
2: very popular. It came out f- five or six years ago. You know, it's not it six out, years ago. It came
1: out six years ago, and it came out two months after Avatar, when yeah. people were and like, people were what like, 3D. if every movie's in 3D? We're yeah.
2: going to be in Wonderland. It's like we'll be there. And then the movie sucked. Six years later, here comes a movie. It's called Alice Through Looking Glass. It has no bearing. It, like, It's not no adapted to that from the book. book. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. The book is in. The, the, the That book is in the first movie, I yeah. think. Yeah. And so I didn't really like the movie, but no one has agreed with me on this, but I've been trying to talk about it, and I have a podcast, so I can talk about it. Please. I think that Sasha Baron Cohen is terrific in it.
1: I've heard one other person say that. I uh, can't remember who it was, but some critic on Twitter said, I don't think anyone's calling out that Sasha Baron Cohen's really
2: good. He's so good. He plays time, the uh, concept of time. The abstract concept, yeah. Basically as this somewhat snooty, sort of like unctuous, like, you know, kind of persnickety little dude with a clockwork head. And he's great, and I just think every scene with him is great. And I just, I just think it's a lost opportunity that like no one's gonna really ever talk about that performance or the obvious work he put into it.
1: Well, it was directed by James Bobin,
2: uh, who yeah. did the two recent who, other movies like. which I love. I like him a lot. For- I mean, I love his work on *Flight of the Concords, which well, is very visually inventive. You know? He
1: also directed all of the HBO LEG series. Yeah, right. So that's he. Right. It he's makes got a sense that he got a good him, yeah. performance of him because he's. Uh, yeah, he also did. He did a short film with Dimitri Martin, I uh-huh. think, called Twelve Twenty One, about like thirteen years ago. That I loved, That I, I okay. watched over and over again when I was at the peak of my Dimitri Martin phase. I like James Wobin a lot. I like the recent Muppet movies. It's a bummer for me that, yeah. like, that, that— He's been forced into this direction. Yeah, because I think it's everyone probably told him time. it was, like— It feel, It definitely feels like a waste of time. And they also probably told him, like, oh, man, this is easy. Everyone's going to sure, go see it. They saw the last money. one. You'll just make the money just, like, toe the line. And
2: it's a huge bomb. I mean, I assume it'll probably clean up enough worldwide to sort of forgive uh, whatever they outlaid I mean, on it. But, no, it's a disaster. They're not going to make money. They might not lose too much. Sure. But uh, I do worry about him, too. I agree with you. I think the film is better looking and more visually inventive than Burton's film. Yeah. I think he did a good job, given the horrible script and stupid idea. But well, it's not good. But just wanted to shout out SBC. I think Sasha Baron Cohen's a great actor when he's not uh, doing his own movies.
1: He's in a terrible career phase right now. Yeah.
2: He's not yeah, going to pull out of it. He's, it. he's, he's in a so. Russell Brand tailspin. I don't think yeah. he can pull out of it.
1: Uh, he also uh, just signed on to do a Mandrake the Magician film, so he's not pulling out of it. Um, wait,
2: wait, which one of which? Uh, Russell or SBC? SBC. Ooh. Just signed on to do a Mandrake Ooh. the Magician
1: film from the director of Gethard. You know that movie Gethard with Wolf Ferrell? How dare you? It's Gethard. hard. And Kevin Hart.
2: Uh, is uh, that uh, Eton Cohen? Yes. yes is yeah.
1: directing Mandrake the Magician. Um, uh, James Bobin is supposed to do uh, MIB 23 next which is the Men the in Black, in Black t- Jump Street crossover. Jump Street Here's the thing. I think James owen has got a great sense of comedy. I think mm-hmm. he's w- one of the most visually inventive comedy directors. He's a, he is,
2: a, or at least was, a visually inventive comedy director. Well, he
1: knows yeah. how to give sort of lightness of yes. touch with performances and a good sort of pace and energy, but also get these kind of cool aesthetics into his stuff. It's annoying to me that all he's doing is brand management. Yeah. Like as someone who loves them up he's made four, he's like
2: his first four movies are going to be big brands. Yeah.
1: Just taking over yeah. franchises that other people have established and it's like why can't he invent Yeah,
2: make a weird little thing, dude. Maybe he doesn't I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't, I don't know. know. He always kind of has though because honestly, uh, directing an HBO LEG show and directing Flight of the Concords is brand management in its own much smaller scale kind of way. You know, there's a two established acts that yeah. he is giving a visual sense to. So maybe that's what it is. Those are some thoughts. Shasta Baron Cohen's really good in Hugo and Sweeney Todd and Alice Through the Looking Glass. He's in so, good in so many movies that he didn't, like, write.
1: Agreed. I have two final questions about Alice Through the Looking Glass before we talk about the movie we're talking about today, The Animatrix, okay? Oh, and he's good in Lee Miz. He's okay. I mean, whatever. Yeah, he's he fine in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, shit yeah. Okay, two important no, questions. No, I'll answer any question. How'd my baby Colleen Atwood do?
2: I mean, you know, good. A lot of I, costumes. Yeah, it's very... Yeah. I liked the time costume. I like the costumes. Alice is wearing this Chinese, like, trouser suit. Yeah,
1: I saw that. It looks like a rainbow vomited. It's yeah. not great. But, I yeah. mean, the
2: idea is it's supposed to be. Okay. But, like, she's supposed to look stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. But, like, they have her in at the whole movie and at a certain point, you're like, can't she fucking take that off and just huh. put anything else on? Like a on? tank top or something.
1: <laughs> uh, love you, Colleen. Uh, second question. Uh, wh- 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 Worth buying the Disney Infinity figures?
2: Uh, I cannot imagine how I could answer that question. Isn't Disney Infinity dead? Yeah, so we're looking, those are the penultimate
1: releases. I What's like, the final one after? Finding one? Dory. Ugh, ugh, Hard buy for me. It's grim. Getting those, but then it's like, it's I look grim. at the Alice things. I would and get like, time. See, because I've been a completist up until now, but now that I know the thing's dead, it's Dead Man Walking. Yeah. These are just like they literally had made them before they canceled. No, they're like, understand. fuck, let's
2: ship them out. Yeah.
1: Okay, so today we're going to talk about the Animatrix. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Disney Infinity.
2: Did you guys know that 13 years ago there was a series of anime films collected around the Matrix universe that was released on DVD? One of them was released theatrically. Yeah, before. Not before The Matrix Reloaded. Yes, before. I thought it was before something else. Oh, I'm I'm
1: sorry. I thought you meant before the release of Matrix Reloaded. The film it played in front of was Dreamcatcher. Right.
2: That's it. That's why I saw Dreamcatcher. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Same here. Yeah. Oof. Uh, great movie. Poop monsters. Um, we've talked about it, Ben. Two poop monsters. We have talked about it on this podcast before. Yeah.
1: Oh, hey.
3: Wait a second. Yeah. What's up? Is that
1: <laughs> is that Ben Hosley?
3: Yeah. Hey, I'm here, guys. Oh, we've got his name settled. Oh, man. we na-
1: We nailed it. Uh, yeah. Can you pull up uh, just so we can properly credit the person who came up no, no, with this? Let me find it. Uh, I'll, look, I'll stall. I'll stall while you're doing that. Here's some other names that Ben has. <laughs> uh, producer Ben. <laughs> yeah. Producer Ben. Right. Ben Docer. The Haas, the Poet Laureate, Birthday Benny, Mr. Positive, the Fuckmaster. He is not Professor Crispy. No, no thank no. you. Don't you dare. Is his audio crisp? Yes, of course. He's good at his job. Does that make him a professor? No. That's not an honorary title. You need a degree. Yeah, I don't
3: have patches on okay. my elbows. He got, got patches ra-
1: on his elbows. He's also accumulated certain titles oh, God. after we graduate from a miniseries, right?
3: <laughs> yes.
1: Producer Ben Kenobi was there. Mm-hmm. Then as we got through the supplemental Star Wars things, we handed him Kylo Ben, right? <laughs> okay, then we moved on to M. Night Shyamalan, and he became Ben Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. We've been struggling to come up with a nickname to fit. The
2: Wachowskis. That's right. We and thought like, about the Benovingian or the Merovingi Ben. It was like Both it totally good. It, but, but like in the stream of nicknames, it wasn't really Doesn't, flowing.
3: Yeah. Ben, you didn't like him. Yeah. It just didn't seem to roll off the tongue. I would struggle to so say B- it.
2: Ben, do you know what your name is? Did you see us talking on
3: Twitter? I think I I think okay. I know what this is. Someone with. nailed oh, it. Mark Slutsky, who's at
2: Totally Slutsky on Twitter, a, a loyal fan of the show. The great, Mar- great Mark Slutsky. He tweeted at us and said what your name should obviously be. Do you want to do it? Yeah. Okay.
3: Bensate. Eight. Bensate. Eight. Oh, yeah, I like that. It was right in front of us the whole time. Oh, that's so obvious. How did we not catch that? Low anyway, congrats, Bensate. It's perfect. How you uh, doing, Ben? I'm great. I really, I never saw these before. Uh, I thought these were. Uh, visually all great. Yeah, and these, some were kind of interesting.
2: These seem like
3: Ben right up Ben's alley.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. And speaking of right Ben's alley, before we get to talk about the Animatrix at hand, no, we're gonna no, talk
2: about Let's cue that up at the end of the episode. You I want, want to? Yeah. Let's okay. save it for so the end. Have, There's a special Ben surprise at the end a, of the episode. If you're
1: if you're a Haas hat
2: Oh God. going hog.
1: Flip out Hoshog. Yeah. David Dog's Griffhead. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yep. Oh yeah. Shout out to all our blankies. Shout out to the Blankies. Of course.
2: Yeah, this is a real bonus episode. we got a real <laughs> bonus episode feel. We talked about Alice lose. through the looking glass yeah. for ten minutes. Uh yeah. No, if you if you like uh if you're a Hoshog, wait till the end of the episode. There's a Hoshog surprise waiting for you at the end. Yeah, I
1: mean, hot hogs are going to be rewarded more than they ever have that's up until day. Yeah, correct. if you don't, if you've been tolerating old old Griffey and Davey up until now, mm-hmm. just for the Ben, you're, you're you're the slot machine's about to pay out. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Okay, the Animatrix. The Animatrix was released in 2003 on DVD. The first short was released theatrically.
2: Yes, I believe you could watch them online in some form or another. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I it was f- 2003, so the idea of watching a video online was still. Pretty yeah, uh, adventurous. I
1: feel like maybe one or two of them were on the official Matrix I mean, site.
2: Put it this way: the Animatrix at the Into the Matrix site has a flash intro. It's yeah. still up there. Here. Uh, boy, that's quite a sight. Uh, is one of the, is the boy? Can you watch the boy? Maybe you could watch four of them free. You could watch okay. the Second Renaissance parts one and two, Program and Detective Story for free. Oh, interesting. Obviously you had to go to theaters to see Final Flight of the Osiris. Yeah. And then there were also there was also Kid Story, World Record, Beyond, and Matriculated. Nine films. Yeah. Eight really, because one of them is a two-parter.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a weird thing that this thing does. It's like they they settle into like when you watch the the DVD or the or the Blu-ray. Sure. As I did. How did it look on Blu-ray?
2: Well, you know <laughs> I mean some of these, especially Final the Flight of the Osiris. Very cutting edge visuals at the time. Yeah, at the time. Yes. Now I own a PlayStation Four, right? Which can literally shit that stuff out in its sleep.
1: And here's the thing: I don't, I don't want to. I, I might not know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, sure. But I was watching this Blu-ray, and I know this: the three Matrix movies, full, full Blu-ray masters, impressive transfers. Transfers, right? They put the work in. I know, and this box set I got, which is the Ultimate Matrix box set, which is, like, fucking $30 on Amazon now. It's a good deal because it's, like, seven discs or whatever. Yeah. There were these four discs that originally came in the DVD set that are all the annex supplemental material from the world of the Matrix, the Zion Chronicles, the making of, all that sort of shit. And all of that stuff is on a on DVD, right? Oh. Like,
2: pointedly. It's not on
1: Blu-ray. Not only did they not... um. Like transfer it, transfer it, and upgrade it. But they literally just put it on a DVD. It's yeah, not even right. just standard def video on it. And I looked at the animatrix, and I, at times I was like, "This might just be upscaled." Sure, like it is a Blu-ray disc. No, I get you. But they and just some of the shorts look better than others. I couldn't tell.
2: We'll never know. It might be
1: upscaled. It might be guys. Po- it's
2: a mystery, and we'll never know.
1: Well, never no. But if you do know, write into us blank check pod
2: yeah at, at blank check on dot Twitter
1: yeah yeah um. So, you know, they a couple of these you could see. You could pay, slap down your fucking eight bucks. Was on, it? I thought it was just Final Flight of the Assert.
2: Was there not another well one? I'm you saying the other them? one's online. Oh, sure. You could see them online.
1: There yeah. were avenues for you to see them. But the big thing they wanted was, and this was like we talked about this in the past. Matrix, the first Matrix DVD, had a limited amount of special features. They did this game-changing thing that was like, let's release a whole second disc that's a separate item.
2: Yeah, called the Matrix Revisited. Right. that had all the special features on it.
1: Right. And like it was like charging not just to yeah. upgrade but to buy a whole different fucking just special features thing and it sold really well. Sure. So they were like, we want people buying this.
2: And they were also really in, as we've talked about it on our Matrix episodes, and guys, I missed the Matrix and it was fun to get <laughs> back we're into back the, in world the world of the world. Matrix. Yeah. Good old Wachowskis. Uh, was just that they were doing this whole multimedia experience. Transmedia, the films, I believe, is the term, where you it's could, sort of, yeah, one property across different it, mediums. There were comic books, there was Animatrix, the there video was game. video games, yeah. and it was all part of this big, fungi wor- fungible world. Blop, blop, blop. Oh,
1: which I should give this as advance warning. I said I was going to watch the 40 minutes of live-action footage shot oh, for into the Matrix. I am
2: shocked to hear that you didn't do that.
1: The only reason I did is because I was sick and I didn't want to fucking deal with that when I was sick. There is no reason to watch that yet. I would, If I was feeling well, I would have watched that. I would have tolerated it. But when I was like in bed, I was like, I can, guys, it doesn't matter. I can fucking watch Wreck It Ralph or I can watch video games. Oh, did cut you watch Wreck It Ralph? That's yeah, a good movie. It's a,
2: it's a fantastic. Film. That movie's very well written. Very well written and I think beautifully animated. I think, when so too. I think films like Zootopia and Frozen are very flat. I don't like the animation very much. Ooh. But like, I think Wreck It Ralph takes advantage of the 3D. Style, which I'm not a big fan of in general, to its, it uses its to its, advantage, to its advantage. How would you rank the modern CGI Disney animated films? Okay, so wait. It's uh, Wreck-It Ralph Tangled, Frozen, Balt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, a big but, Hero 6. Oh, well, yeah, that was cute. And Zootopes. Zootopia. Is that all of them? I think that's the full, right? Yeah. Um, how would you rank them?
1: I'd go number one, Tangled. Number two, Wreck It Ralph. Number three, Frozen. Mm-hmm. Number four, I would go uh, Zootopes. Number five, Big Hero 6. And uh, six is uh, uh, P- Poo-Poo, Poopoo Bolt. Oh, I guess Meet the Robinsons is maybe.
2: No, yeah, that's old. The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Meet the Robinsons does count.
1: That was Threshold. That was right when Lasseter took over. I believe
2: yeah. Meet the Robinsons is the first. Post when they reopened the yeah. Disney animation. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that film. Oh, uh, it's fine. The Princess and the Frog, obviously, is also in that era, but it is 2D. Yeah. Uh, as is Winnie the Pooh. Oh, which is a masterpiece. But it's also 2D.
1: Have you seen that movie? No. No. Fucking rules. Uh, so you want, anyway, I, you want to know the best thing about that movie? The movie's 68 minutes long. Is that like the cutest runtime? Isn't that an adorable runtime? It's about as runtime? long as Dumbo is. That's yeah, cute.
2: Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I would say like Wreck It Ralph. And then, like, just take a deep breath, chill out for a second. Tangle. Uh. Take a deep breath, chill out for another second. Frozen. Big Hero 6. Are you doing okay? You're breathing really heavily. (laughs) (sighs) No, actually, you know, Zootopia, Frozen, Big Hero 6, and then Balt and whatever. Yeah. And I like them all. I just, the, the, the sort of Zootopia, Frozen, Big Hero 6 that I just think are, like, nice, like, decent movies. If I was a kid, I'd probably like them a lot. They don't stick out to me, like, visually. They don't stick out to me, like, in amazing ways. I just like them. I think they're good. Zootopia Frozen are a big cut above Big Hero 6 for me, but
1: Tangled and Wreck-Your-Alpha are definitely the two best.
2: Big Hero 6 has the the big Baymax
1: guy. Yeah, that guy's great. He's real cute. Yeah, you know who's (laughs) not great? Like, the other five. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. like Big Hero 1 for me yeah
2: I, I don't remember Big Hero 6 that well yeah. it's probably fair that it the Tangled and, uh, Zootopia I mean Frozen and Tangled is Zootopia yeah. a, Tangled's really pretty I like that movie I love Tangled I just think, think I think the Ralph songs
1: in Tangled are great Wreck-It Ralph is great
2: has what I really want and Zootopia has this a little bit too but yeah. Wreck-It Ralph really has it which is like World building, like amazing oh, world yeah. building. Yeah, but I also just love the herky jerky style, like the way they move, that the way incredible. it blends. Yeah, yeah, three D animation with, uh, you know, video TV, game yeah. pixel animation. Very cool.
1: I also think that that story they keep on threading that needle perfectly. There are all yeah, these the points story where, where you're like, like,
2: you are, you can be yourself, and like it's good to be yourself, right? But those,
1: there's like, that thing where it's like, okay, so she's like essentially disabled. Is like the analogy mm-hmm. they're creating with this glitch thing, and they like can't make the argument that like she shouldn't get better, but they can't make the argument that there's anything wrong with. Right, so, so they, there's like the point like, oh, where just... you're like how are they fucking going to pull this off because either way the
2: they thread the needle but so I do think and I'm I do think the Pixar movies when they're good like Inside Out are just a very obvious still cut above like I agree but I think uh, but they haven't been making as many Inside Outs recently right yeah, yeah that's a problem
1: right Inside Out is the only one that's a cut above the recent Disney movie yeah. since 2010 yeah. unfortunately yeah. Disney's been a good one okay <sighs> Animatrix
3: how you doing there, Ben? I'm good. I have no idea what you guys are talking about.
1: Woo! That's a bonus I episode, a baby. Cigarette. Loosen that tie. It's a so bu- bu- bonus. S- s- silly. Bonus.
2: Uh, maybe you should cut all of that. All right. So final Keep it th- in. So let's talk about Ben, <laughs> right.
1: that last section, copy, paste. Put it in twice. All right. So here's sure. what we're going to do. <laughs>
2: I'll just lay out how this all So the way it came out was yep. Final Fight of the Osiris, which is a real technical prequel to The Matrix Reloaded, like it sets up one little story element for it, which is addressed in the film. Yeah, uh, which is yeah mentioned in the film yeah. that aired in theaters in front of Dreamcatcher, mm-hmm. uh, and you could go see it, and it was like a like a genuine like little preview for The Matrix. Yeah, the other films came out after The Matrix, mm-hmm. at least the the DVD did. The after The Matrix Reloaded. When did the DVD come out? The DVD came out, my friend, on June third, two thousand three. Okay, so, so a it was couple like weeks a week,
1: after, yeah. I think, yeah, because uh, I, I Whereas say, Dreamcatcher
2: yeah. came out March two thousand three, right, so. right. Um, but they definitely want people to buy this DVD. Yeah, but the other movies are not directly related to the plot of the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions. They're more just well, informing them.
1: Well, the one, the boy's story, what's it
2: called? Oh, it is directly related, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think those two are directly story.
1: related. I think um, the, the, the other two, the history, the Look, revolution. Well, we're going to get to them. We'll get to them. Uh, this is what I wanted to say, though. The format of this thing is interesting. Because mm-hmm. Ben and I were talking before you got here of, like, this was kind of the first thing to do this, like, here's an adjacent movie, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, some other studios tried to do this afterwards, especially Warner Brothers tried to do this a bunch. They did a thing. I'm going to get the title wrong, but it was um, uh, before The Dark Knight. Called like Batman Arkham Knights. Uh-huh. And it was like a film that was sort of like this where it was like anime story set in the Batman universe. What
2: does this have to do with anything though? That's after. What are you talking about? What's going on? This is similar to the Animatrix. Okay.
1: I'm gonna make a comparison that makes sense when I All fucking right. throw out. I haven't out to seen this thing though. I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's okay. But it's like here are stories that take place in the Nolan Batman universe and there's stories that people are telling about like their encounters with Batman. They're all Batman stories from like, civilian eyes, right? Uh-huh. The thing that's interesting in that one is it's also like a bunch of short stories given to different animators with different aesthetics, different storytelling styles, but there's this sort of superstructure mm-hmm. that's a bunch of people being like, yeah, I met Batman once, and then it cuts into that story. This film as it's presented is just like a bunch of short films mm-hmm. with their own credits and their own title sequences Yeah. Uh, and even the two-parter is like a two-parter just because they decided, here's a series of things that are 13 minutes long. They sure. could have just had the two-parter be, here's one, one that's 26. Yeah, whatever. But I just think it's kind of an interesting format.
2: I like this format much better. I don't like the format you're talking about where it's like masquerading as a prequel, but it's actually just like 100% a cash-in effort, you know. It's kind of like, like well it's that. kind of like how when Marvel Comics will do like Civil War, you know, the big crossover yeah. event. And then they'll be, you should buy X-Men Civil well, I War. Hate like that. this this is cool and you buy it and it's like the X-Men have a meeting. They fight a little bit and then they decide not to be in the Civil War. Or what, like it's like a completely self-contained useless art. Th- that is exactly <laughs> why I stopped reading single <laughs> no, I mean, issue superhero comics because
1: it drove me crazy. It's a
2: whole scheme. Like yeah. it's a whole Anyway,
1: and it was, well, so it was a, an event that will change the Marvel universe forever. Until the fucking next writer takes <laughs> over, <laughs> yeah, right, and he well, goes, "I've wanted to write Spider Man since I was ten. Right. I want Spider Man the one I like."
2: Right, right, yeah. Um, House of M. Remember when House of M was going to change everything? House of M, the 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 actual House of M, pretty M story, so. pretty cool. And actually, all of the, the other shit. Oh my god.
1: No, see, I think some of the supplemental House of M titles were kind of good.
2: Okay, fine. Better than the other ones. Civil War. The
1: supplemental titles were terrible. Bullshit.
2: Terrible. Uh, that was also because Marvel was, like, spinning its wheels, waiting for Civil War to be done. Yeah. Like, remember, it got really late. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Classic Mark Miller. Yeah.
2: Blah 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 bonus uh, Anyway, so what I like in these Animatrixes, the ones that are, like, direct prequels, honestly, they're a little lame. The ones I that get. are more just, like, obviously the writers and directors were told, like, you know what the world of the Matrix is like. Just play around in it. Like, do a story that's about these themes those are kind of cool well here here are the the how I'd separate them, okay, so you go like
1: the kid story and uh, the, the final flight and are, detective story a detective story I'd say a little less so.
2: I think that is easily the worst one.
1: Oh no no, no, I'm not dividing good and bad mm-hmm. I'm saying the the kid story and the final flight are like the ones that are like these overlap with the events of the film yeah right okay. those two function in that way mm-hmm. then you have the two like history ones. Those are the best. The, I, I kind of agree. There's yeah. one I like matriculated more. Matriculated, I think, it's the best yeah. one. But, but the the, yeah.
2: the the history ones are very good.
1: Yes, too. excellent. Those two are like here's prequel sort of world building stuff. Yeah, and then you have like the other ones, which are kind of like the detective story, which I don't really like. Is sort of just like it, it's a prequel here's...
2: to the Matrix a little bit, but little not really. Bit. It it's just an excuse to have Trinity in one of them.
1: And the matriculated, I think, gets at the best interpretation of how to do this. Like. But that that one, Detective Story and like a couple of the other ones sort of fall into this category of like, here's just a story that takes place in The Matrix. Here's just something
2: happening in this world. No, but the difference to me is the Detective Story is a prequel to the film The Matrix. The first one. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the world record and beyond stories are more like Twilight cool, Zone thematic, entries. I like them yeah. entries about how The Matrix might work. And then matriculated you know, ways, you know, is about like... About answering questions you might have asked. Like,
1: matriculate is like a whole different philosophical exploration. It's of, a cool idea. I love it. Okay. It's,
2: the only problem with matriculated is maybe is that it's too short. Like, it's almost like too ambitious. I
1: definitely yeah. felt like I wanted to just see a feature length yeah, right. matriculated. It's a good idea. Yeah, uh, it also looks incredible.
2: Okay. <laughs> Let's go through them. I just started coughing. I'm getting you sick. <laughs> Final fight. We're, we're going to do it in order. Yep. Final flight of the Osiris is the first if, it just, if you just watch them all in order. We're getting focused now. This film, they're all like what, 9 minutes long? I don't know. At 13 you said. I, I think 13, I don't know. You know, the, the whole thing runs about an hour 40 minutes if you watch all of them. On the nugget, hour 40 with a lot of credits. But yeah. A lot yeah. of credits because yeah. it's just eight, nine movies. Yeah. Uh so the <laughs> first one, Final Flight of the Osiris, was written by the Wachowskis? Yeah. It was directed by Andy Jones, who is a visual effects supervisor. He's been nominated for visual effects work over the years for okay. iRobot. Uh-huh. And also for uh,
1: uh, Avatar. <laughs> he won for that one. Oh, Avatar. Um, it is uh, from the period of time where everyone thought the next big trend was going to be making fully animated films that were photorealistic with humans. Right.
2: It was sort of Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within had come out and bombed. Hard. But people were sort of, and this was produced with that technology, with the yes. Square Films technology, but people were still like, not a good movie, but whoa! This is the future, right? These crazy, fully realized like computer people,
1: right? And then that was even what Zemeckis was kind of aiming for in his first 100%. couple of motion capture yeah. movies. Was I still want it? Now let's see if I can make the performance better by well,
2: yeah. What well, he incorporates is motion capture, which right. obviously is now where things are trending. But you
1: look yeah. at Beowulf, and it still had that same sort of visual obsession of can we make this look exactly right. like Angelina right.
2: Jolie? Right.
1: It's fascinating to me that that's sort of we've completely given up on that. It. Well,
2: it's think, unconquerable. People don't like it. No, people don't like it. Maybe it can be conquered one day. I have no idea, but it's certainly people don't like it.
1: What I just find fascinating is the only time you see people trying to make the thing look completely photorealistic is when it's computer animated characters in a live action film. Yeah. When it's like Avatar or like fucking Warcraft or whatever. And it's like, make this otherworldly thing look well, no, like no, of course real You person. can
2: make monsters or huh. animals look amazing. People buy that.
1: Make that look photoreal. But I'm saying in terms of like animated films, I feel like computer animated films have gotten more cartoony in the last 10 years. Yes. And more stylized. Yes. I mean, yeah. even the yeah. Disney films we're looking at are very classical. Yeah. no, it's true. They're it's true. they're not uh, sort of obeying physics, and they're using more squash and stretch than Pixar used to use. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, that's the zone we're like getting into. Uh, Final Flight of the Osiris is, is fascinating. it's aiming
2: for photorealism, and it it's, it's, obviously looks like a PlayStation cutscene now. Yeah, it, it, and it's it,
1: it, it's fascinating just in that sense. It's like a time capsule of like, oh right, this is where our head was at. Was we thought maybe we wanted to do this, and now everyone decided not like follow through on that anymore. You know what? It's that's the only
2: way in which it's fascinating. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dull. It's a kung fu not kung fu, sorry. It's like a samurai sword battle yeah. between uh two guys in two a, a, a guy and a girl in a in a program, you know, in like a training program. They're on a ship.
3: Now no, I- important detail. They're blindfolded. Yes they are blindfolded. But let's just say I'm not the only peeper peepin'.
1: Oh fuck, I forgot that nickname too. The peeper He's the peeper. Ben's the peeper, and these folks are peeping aplenty. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. The man in the film, I was a hundred percent sure, was voiced by Michael Jai White because he looks exactly like. No, it's Kevin Michael, Michael Jai White, but doesn't he look? Doesn't the
2: model look like Michael J. White? I I guess so. It just looks. T- and these don't think these things don't look like anything to me because they look so bland. Maybe Michael Jai White is just, like, a very conventionally
1: handsome person. Yeah. But I was just convinced it was him. The other one is played by Pamela Adlon. Which is crazy.
2: Weird, right? Yeah, especially since it's an Asian woman. Yeah. But uh, both, you know, Pamela Adlon is primarily a voice actress. you know, they, And Kevin—and the same yeah. for Kevin Michael Richardson. They, they who's primarily... Like, these are two of the great voice actors. These are primarily cast with voice actors, these films.
1: I mean, and, it, and you see the same one, like, you know what Tom I mean? Kenny is in this, Jill yeah. Talley's in this. Yeah. And it's the same couple actors in most of the films.
2: Yeah. Um, Pamela Adlon, you know what her greatest role is, right?
1: Uh, Bobby from King the Exactly.
2: So great. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, who is he's a a husky black mm-hmm. dude. He's not this like handsome, tall, like you know, sort of conventional Michael Jai White type.
1: Oh, he's like a big he he looks like a like a black pavarotti or something.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. he was in do you remember the show The Knights of Prosperity with uh oh, yeah. with um Donald Logue? Donald Logue. Yeah. yeah, about them trying to rob Mick Jagger's house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like one of the weirdest fucking shows that ever existed. You remember what
1: the original title of that show Let's was? Let's rob Mick Jagger. Yeah.
2: Such a weird show. He was very funny on it. It's one of the rare, rare times he was on camera. Very that's funny man. I, you know, I but always, really a voice actor.
1: I always like voice actors in live action. When I see voice actors in live action, I usually sure. think they're, they're Phil like, Lamar.
2: Anytime Phil Lamar the pops, great he was, Phil, Phil Lamar, Lamar was just on Veep. Yeah, yeah, I love Phil Lamar.
1: But even like you know Tom Kenny and Jill Talley on Mister Show were so well, fucking course. good. That's Mister
2: Show. Yeah, that's Mister yeah, Show. That's We're talking about Mister. I mean, they're not Show. voice actors yet when they're on yeah. Mister. You know, they they then they find that route. You know, into the industry. Yeah. But anyway. So they have a, a sexy samurai fight where they're cutting off each other's clothes. Ooh, bold.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like exactly like the Kung Fu sequence from the first Matrix, except they want to fuck each other. Well, it,
2: except <laughs> and they have swords. And yeah, they want to fuck each
1: other. But you. it has got the same sort of Yeah, it's the same
2: aesthetic. I it's mean, the
1: same But there's just we it's in media res, you see them fighting and they got blindfolds, but they keep on like sort of swashbuckling like fucking Antonio Bandera ing each other's clothes yeah. off with their swords,
2: and then they'll take a little peep. The Zorro sequence is wonderful. But it also has this weird threat to it, where he's cutting off her clothes. Yeah, and it's like intentionally aggressive. Yeah, you know, and she's fighting back or whatever. But like, you know, it's also more period appropriate because you know, you know, men. Sorry? Men, men, men were were jerks. I mean, they're still jerks, but men were real assholes in <laughs> Zorro era, just cutting off ladies' clothes all the time. Oh, I thought men two thousand three. <laughs> well, that's in yeah. two thousand three. Well, the the thing this what I'm trying to build to here is, like, you know, when is cutting off Catherine zeta joness clothes, you know, he's a scoundrel, but scoundrels are much more Zorro-appropriate, Zorro-period-appropriate. I agree. Here, where they're cutting off each other's clothes, yeah, she cuts his shirt off. Yeah. But he, like, he, like, efficiently disrobes her, and she's wearing, like, you know, very, like, sort of over-the-top sexy underwear. Yeah. And, you know, they try to have their cake and eat it and have both of them peek at each other but uh, mm, it's not I don't super know. balanced. No, that's, th- that's uh, look, what I'm saying. I'm going to read through the subtext and say what you're saying. <laughs>
1: they should have showed that computer animated dick.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> that would have been great. If she had
1: cut his fly, it was just,
2: like, <laughs> yeah, just she, like his pants slowly fell.
1: But you know, even not if the pants, if she just cut out of like his fly <laughs> zone, and then suddenly God. the dick went. But then, oh. then everyone would be like, oh, oh. anyway, ah, yeah. whoa. Yeah, that's you know what <laughs> Risky. That's, wh- that's how America should respond. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You anyway, know what I'm saying? Fucking wake up you sheep! Look at a dick. Yeah.
2: Go look, to a, look a, a go to a movie. Look, look at dick sheeple. Okay. 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 Buy Stop feeling. Stop fucking popcorn
1: and look at a dick.
2: So anyway, we get this. This is half this. The film is just them cutting each other's clothes off. This it's is, like a solid four or five minutes. And, and here's
1: the worst part. This is
2: the better half. That's probably true. So and then the second half is. They're on their ship in right. the real world. They see a bunch of squids, and then they see like, oh no, the squids are going to tunnel down to Zion, which is exactly like
1: the Sentinel chase from the first Matrix, except not as good. It's like both halves of this film yeah. are very similar to scenes from the first Matrix, except yeah. now done without real people. Right,
2: but and, and we'll get to, anyway. And so I'll just wrap up the plot. Yeah, uh, they see that the squids are trying to tunnel down to Zion, so she has to go into the Matrix and to jump around, yeah, in a, in a bunch of ways, and then drop off like a message. To the headquarters, and of course, mm-hmm. that message is received in the matrix Reloaded. They say it like, "Oh, the this message from the Osiris says it was the Zion is yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah." And then the squids get the ship and they blow it up. Yeah, the end. Now, I will say, at the time, I thought this looked incredible. Oh, I, I did remember too. just being like, "Wow, like this is so cool," which really is funny to think of.
1: Yeah, I also yeah. convinced myself that Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within was good. Uh, Yeah, I never
2: did that, but I did think the visuals were cool. Like, I did. I I did think it was the future. That movie's kind of incomprehensible, right? Kind of incomprehensible? (laughs) Are you crazy? It's not
1: remotely comprehensible. I remember that being, like, the most plot-dense and, like, obtuse movie I had ever seen as a 10-year-old.
2: bonkers. What was it,
1: 12? Yeah, I must have seen 12 when it came out. Uh, Do you remember when they put that, that character on the cover of Maxim? Do you remember that? Of
2: course. That was, like, again, that was all part of this... Very efficient PR campaign that yeah. did not work for that movie where they were like, it's the future, where it's like, we're even going to have CG cover stars, you know, yeah. CG sexy ladies in yeah. bikinis. I bet I could find it. Hey, hey, hey guys, uh, they never wanted to fuck a computer before,
1: huh? Like, that was the whole angle on that movie.
2: I know. It was It was bizarre.
1: I love that the marketing was that base where it's like, hey, you want to fuck that cartoon, huh? And then you saw the movie and it
2: made no sense. <laughs> the movie's about, like, f- na- force spirits of nature. It's Here about robot ghosts. There she is. God, yeah. That's disgusting. That's so gross. (laughs) It is. It's really gross. And I'm not even just saying like- It's the other thing because like the movie itself is not about like a sexy bikini lady who has bikini adventures. It's about like a scientist voiced by Ming-Na who's like, you know, trying to get in. She
1: also wears like the most sort of like androgynous jumpsuit the entire film. I'll say this, like, when I say that's gross, I, it is culturally it is, gross. No, it's gross. But more than that,
2: it's just visually gross. It's weird. Gross. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's the like Uncanny It's unsettling. unsettling. Right, it's unsettling. I
1: don't like that we did it as a people, but I also just don't <laughs> like looking at it.
2: Anyway, so, the second film, and let's just talk about- Yeah, we're about, done
1: with the Final Flight of the Osiris. That's it.
2: Yeah. The second film is, and we'll just talk about, the second and third films yeah, are called combine The Second that. Renaissance. Love it. Yeah, they were written and directed by Mahiro Maeda. Uh, who's working from uh, info from the Wachowskis, I think, just to lay out the details of the uh, the machine war. The Wachowskis have a story by credit on
1: this, mm-hmm. and I also noticed there was no writing credit on this one, which I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. Right. So my theory is, because this film doesn't really have dialogue, it's sort of like a textbook kind of voiceover telling you the history. I feel like the Wachowskis wrote that as That's background probably. information. Yeah. And then as a director, he visualized it and had free reign to do whatever he wanted.
2: It's got this crazy visual thing where you're, like, in some sort of archival computer program and there's, like, a crazy, like, lady AI who's, like, Welcome to, like, archives, like... She also sort of looks like like a Buddhist like mm-hmm. sort of deity, and there's all yeah. these like patterns, these weird color oh, patterns great. that you're zooming in and around, like you're moving through some sort of computer program.
1: It, it's got a lot of gold, which is a color we don't really see in no. any of the Matrix no, movies.
2: Because the Matrix movies are so green.
1: It's got these burnt oranges even in the re- revolutions, but this is like a like a shiny
2: gold. So this is the most interesting of the films, probably. Matriculated is also interesting. We'll get to yeah. that later. Um, I think it does an okay job. I think it's... Me and Ben were talking about it before the podcast started. You know, it's pretty easy to poke some holes in this whole grand uh, story
3: it tells.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ben, do you want to throw your main gripe out? Because I think it's an interesting sort of thing.
3: Well, yeah, because the the story is... That one of the robots overthrows uh, and kills its masters.
1: Yeah, I guess let's just do the basic like overthrow. It's like we we as a culture create a bunch of robots to be like to be servants, right, and to yeah. manufacture shit to make our life easier. One of the robots, in sort of like classic like iRobot style, uh, kills his master. He claims it's in self defense, but they take him to trial and they execute him. And because of that, the robots get angry, and there sort of becomes like. Cultural friction. Well, no,
2: more than that. No, they they don't just execute him; they start executing. Oh, they execute all his kind. Yes, yes. his like model gets executed in mass, and so that prompts, basically, like you know, the 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 film makes some very broad. Racism, yes, yeah, analogies, but that prompts the robots to sort of flee and start their own civilization. There's a
1: segregation. They start their own sort of continent, which is called Zero One, and they start manufacturing stuff from Zero One, and their manufacturing capabilities are much better than the humans. They
2: quickly outstrip, and they start like advancing their AI, right? They quickly like outstrip human civilization.
1: They're making car motors, and then the humans are buying the car motors, and then the human economy goes so far down. Right? They say at one point, like the human nation. Which I may think that maybe the idea they're getting at is like all continents have, like all humans have become one yeah, large sure. country. Right. Yeah. Which I kind of like, like and a then global
2: the, industrial country. Right. There's
1: a global, yeah, yeah, sort of industry, and then the robots are their own like sovereign state.
2: Yeah. And the robots uh, try to join the UN. They are rejected. And they then, think
1: now that they're these big businessmen, this big swinging dicks, they can come back and be like, "Hey, you're gonna let us back in, right?" And they're like, "No, no, 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 no." And then
2: war breaks out, and then the machine war, as we know it, obviously ensues. Right. right, With the the scorching of the sky. Well, that's
1: the thing. The final strike the humans have because they can't take down these robots anyway, they try bombing them a bunch and they're like, we're robots. Don't fucking bomb them. What are you talking about? We didn't care about bomb. bomb. A bomb's a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, buddy. We'll just hang out with our bomb friend. <laughs> so they were like, oh, uh, how about we kill the sky? Yeah,
2: we blanket the sky in nanobots.
1: Because a lot of them are solar-powered. They're, they they're need all the solar-powered right. or whatever. Yeah. So they kill the sun, and now like, the, the robots have won, yep. but they're also like, really tired because they don't got the sun anymore. And then they realize, like, oh, humans. Right. Well, we know the premise of the Matrix.
2: Yeah, they harvest the humans as batteries.
1: But here's the thing I like. They sort of say, like, they look, they were obsessed with, like, humans and, like, fascinated by the fact that they, like, keep on, like, reproducing all this. The thing that this uh, thing gets at, it explains why the robots would go through the trouble of creating the Matrix rather than just having the humans be in hypersleep, which is you show them sort of experimenting with them and they, like, tickle them and then they get a charge. And they make the humans cry and they get a charge. And it's like specifically the thing that charges them is human emotion. Sure. So they need to create this. They need the brains to work. They need this simulation where the humans can go through the entire human condition in order to get it, which I think is a really interesting thing. No,
2: it's all interesting because the world of the Matrix is really interesting. It also gets in like a Monsters,
1: Inc. territory where it's like, got to get them
3: screams. But the question I had, like, oh, this is great. But the question I had is I don't understand... The motive, like the robot motivation, why robots would want to exist—that's not explained.
1: Well, you're talking about yeah, it's it's the robots are are, the robot survival instinct is never explained, right? And for that to exist, there essentially needs to be, and this is a common like theme in a lot of sci-fi stories about robotics is the idea of this anomaly where somehow artificial intelligence becomes like. Genuine intelligence, you know where feelings come into play, mm-hmm. and where they you know it's it's wally, it's sunny for my robot, it's all these fucking robots where suddenly here's the one robot that has a slightly different thing, it thinks like a human,
3: yeah and then
2: changes. The sort of species. I mean, these but, are the questions of the Matrix. is What is consciousness? Where right. does it evolve from? Is it just, like, does it begin with just self-defense and, like, this sort of, like, is that what consciousness is? Is it just the desire not to die? You know, things but, like that. But
1: these two don't ever really get into the robot's consciousness. They talk about no, what they no. did to survive. They don't really it's, talk about it. This is why. more of
2: a straight history. I agree that it, it, it just, it has to make these rapid jumps just to yeah. move the story along kind of quickly. Because it's kind
1: of told like it's, like, a, a documentary you would watch in history class. Right. Which I like. Like, the narration's very sort of, like, clinical. Um, Me too.
2: I like that, too. I just think it looks amazing. It looks amazing. I just think the animation is so cool. I think the way you see the war evolve, and then, like, once they splinter the sky and the robots really start turning into the squids and, like, the yep. red-eyed things that we know from the Matrix, is just so, like, nightmarish. The violence is really gross. Well, there's,
1: like, a terrifying, I mean, a really Ugh. successfully terrifying uh, sequence where you see this, like, scantily clad woman oh, yeah, running getting... down the street, and the guy is just fucking cold cocking her, punching But she's the a face. robot. Well, robot that's robot lady, what you find right, out. Yeah. I mean, he rips her shirt open first, right. and her breasts are hanging out, and she's crying and screaming, and you're like, this, this is, is weird. really yeah. upsetting. Are you trying to show us that humans turned on each other? Right. And then he punches her further, and her whole face flies off. Right. It's like, oh, she's a robot. But it's playing <laughs> on this sort of, like, it's, it's the same thing as, like, sexual abuse as racism. You
2: know, it's like... Which, you know, sometimes these things are tough to draw. I just want... You know, these parallels can yeah. be a little broad. They also quote Clarence Darrow, and they also quote the Dred Scott. Like, they do these broad things. But that's fine. I mean, like, it's yes. it's fine. It's just, you know, it's broad stuff. What I do
1: like is that the Matrix movies themselves properly, like, don't get into... Because we're seeing it from the humans, who are right, the, the ma- ones... The, vil-
2: ma- the machines of the enemies, especially in the first Matrix.
1: Right. Yeah and you don't understand how it happens, so you're just like, oh, the robots got smart and they killed us all.
2: Right. It's, I mean, and also that's such a classic sci-fi trope is evil, you know, AI. Yeah. But
1: you watch these and you're like, um, oh, it's, it's so much more depressing because sure. they just wanted to be equals and right. we wouldn't let them fucking in the door. Well, it's, well, like, no, it's, it's like what? We were I mean, supposed to
3: say please and thank you to a robot? Exactly. Ben's right. How dare you? Fuck you, robots. I
1: like robots. I want to be friends with a robot. No,
2: I mean, this is why I love the Matrix sequel so much. Yeah. is because they dig into these questions. I think the only thing in the first Matrix movie is that idea, which is said, that we are the ones who scorched the sky. Like yeah. So you realize, like, okay, we may have been the architects we of we're doing here. Yeah. Yes. And obviously, like, Agent Smith's growing consciousness is, like, a sort of seed for that idea of, Right. you know, blah, 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 blah. But that's what I like about the sequels is that they dig into this thing. It's like, yeah, you know what? Humans aren't great either, you know? No. We're all pieces of shit. Then again, I would also... Get kill all the robots.
1: Uh, yeah, but then I also watched this and I'm like, okay, so we treated them like garbage. They gave us like six chances, right? They kept on being like, "Please, can yeah, we come I know. back?" I know, yeah. right? And then they were nice enough to like put us in a world where everything's really nice. Well,
2: that's the thing. There is a benevolent weirdness to it, but it's also so creepy because we see them like the thing. Is, I think the film successfully shows the cruelty of the robots. I agree. In experimenting on people, you see that thing where they, like, rip open a mecha suit and they start, yeah. like, oh, it's so creepy. Oh, terrifying, yeah. Um, I... So cool, but because the film has that clinical narration and stuff, it almost seems like it's propaganda for the robots. Like, it's right. a robot written narrative, yeah. right? AI narrative. But at the same time, we can sympathize with what the bad things they're doing, you know. Well,
1: it exists in a lot of moral gray area, and I also think it makes the films themselves more morally gray, which is, like, what you the most you could ask for of something like this, of a supplemental piece that's meant to enhance the original films. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is... This is what I want. The platonic ideal of an Animatrix. Role. I'm not saying it's the best one, but it's like the platonic ideal of how I, it could function. Yes. I think Matriculate's the best one. There's also w- an w- insane w- shot where a robot's got a human's head and he just and he squeezes it. pulls it apart, it. yeah. He squeezes it yeah. until the eyes pop out and then you're like, okay, I got it. The eyes popped out. And then, like, the brain pops out from the eyes. Yep. Fucking robots, man.
2: Don't mess with them.
1: Still want to be friends with one. If we have any robot listeners, please uh, tweet at me, Griff Lightning, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I like robots. I want to be friends with robots.
2: Okay, number three is Kid's Story. Number four, technically, is Kid's Story, written by the Wachowskis, oops, (laughs) (laughs) and directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, who, let me see who he is. Neither of us are big anime people. We should throw that out as a disclaimer. Uh, Who worked on Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Okay. and you know um, the guy who did the second Renaissance, uh, Mihiro Maeda. He has a lot of interesting credits. He worked on a lot of uh, cool anime shows like uh, Neon, Jealous, Neon Genesis Ev- Evangelion. I've heard yeah, of that yeah. one. You know, uh, and he worked on a lot of Ghibli movies, and he worked on the Kill Bill anime sequence. Oh, which I love. That. I don't know if his yeah. credit is like the director. He just did a lot of okay. key art for those things. <laughs> just FYI. Yeah. So, um, in a Kid's Story. This is about the kid from the Matrix sequels who's really annoying. Yeah,
1: remember that kid that we didn't give a
2: shit about in two separate Played movies? Played by Clayton Watson. And you
1: were like, why are they putting all this time and energy into and he's,
2: him? He's in Reloaded a little bit, and he's in Re- Revolutions a lot.
1: But in Reloaded, he's not in a lot, but they give him like a big fucking like entrance. like They hit it hard when he shows up, and it's because this was part of that transmedia idea they had which is like, you're going to see this kid, and you're going to be like, where'd this kid come from? And then you got to watch the anime tricks. You watch it, and you're like, eh, I mean, who gives a shit? I don't like that kid. I don't. Yeah, no, nobody cares. That
2: character. I think this one looks great. It's a, a very interesting look. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's really weird. Yeah. And, like, it's a. it's basically, the story is very simple. This kid feels alienated. He has classic... Matrix uh, red pill, you know, feelings where he's like, uh, something's wrong. Yeah. He's talking to Neo on his computer, you know, hacking away. It's
1: like when Neo started talking to Trinity yeah, on the computer. Yeah, absolutely. Man. I mean, this
2: short is essentially Matrix High. Like, it's like the
1: whole opening chunk of Neo in the first Matrix, except done in high school instead. So it's like, okay, he's talking to Neo instead of Neo talking to Trinity. The agents come and find him at school
2: rather than at the office.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like the shit we've seen before.
2: But on a narrative level, not that. Well, so it's basically just that. Now, I think the Wachowskis are trying to write a story that's interesting to them, which is this idea that, like, people who are disaffected, who suffer from depression, who suffer from some, you know, out of body problems. Yes. Like, the Matrix is a dramatization of what that is and, like, you know, feeling unglued from the world. And, like, you know, that's a cool idea. Yeah. But it's all, this thing is very simple and not that interesting. Agreed. Except for one thing, which is. He escapes the matrix by himself. Yes. Yeah. Which is a weird concept. By killing himself. He throws himself out of a school window. Yeah. And you see him, like, point of view shot of him, like, falling to the he ground. He keeps on having this dream about flying through
1: the sky and falling and everything. And then he gets to the. he's, It's this long escape sequence. He goes to the roof. He thinks he's gone away from the agents. The agents on the roof. He knows what he has to do. He goes, I knew it wasn't a dream. And he jumps off. And then he wakes up. Or you hear his funeral and they're like, some people aren't meant for this world. You know, he clearly was struggling, you know, mm-hmm. his thoughts all the time. I mean, he distrust, paranoia, all that sort of stuff. I mean, you're like, okay, depression thing. tracking, sure, sure. tracking. right. And then it cuts to him, like, waking up on the gurney and they're like, uh, oh, oh, the cell rehabilitation metastasis project. I mean, they kind of do one of those one line, like, here's a technology you've never heard of that explains how we were able to bring him back to life. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They say something like that. Yeah. They go like, "Oh, the Cell Generation." Okay, okay, I don't even remember that. That's eh, fine. Whatever.
3: Hey, um, also, dude can shred.
1: <laughs> dude can shred
2: on the skateboard. Dude's
1: a fucking rad border.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, two thousand three, baby.
1: It's got the thing that uh, the Kill Bill thing did as well. It's got this really like scratchy, sketchy uh, line style that I really like. Mm-hmm. It sort of looks like like Egon Schiele drawings. Okay. Uh, which I love. Uh, on a story level, it's not that interesting. Um, here's another thing I was talking about with Ben about it. Um, I was watching this one and like, you know, Neo, Neo's got a, a little a little part in this one, right? Yeah. Um, they don't make him look like Keanu. No. And, and when he starts talking, I was like, this guy's doing a fucking terrible Keanu impression. I mean, he sounds like nothing like Keanu. take me out of it. No, it's Keanu Reeves. I know. Yeah. <coughs> wow. <laughs> I'm dying. Um, but but it gets at this thing you saw the motion picture Keanu as well, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I did. yeah You mean, oh, well, yeah, because his voice performance in that is also really undistinctive. Yeah, that is true. And it's weird because anyone... <coughs> I'm actually gonna die. um
1: No, I just think it's, like, fascinating that anyone could do a good Keanu impression and then you see Keanu doing Keanu mm-hmm. and he, like, doesn't sound like... Because he doesn't
2: want to lean into it, probably. He doesn't want to lean into, the like, the, dude, whoa, Well, stuff. Ben's theory also that we were,
1: like, working on was just that, like... Keanu's such a physical actor. Like, not just with action, but he's also so much more about presence than he is about, like, line readings. Maybe he's not good in a booth. I think that's true,
2: but he's also... It doesn't matter. anyway.
1: It's just weird in Keanu where they have the big scene where the cat talks, and it's clearly the joke that Keanu Reeves is doing the voice, and you're like, that doesn't sound anything like Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it is. But you, like, want him to, like, talk like this.
2: You just did a better Keanu than Keanu. Exactly. I mean, Keanu's performance in the film Keanu was a real letdown. Really, really disappointing. Yeah, but that movie's also kind of disappointing in general. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right, the next film is called Program. It's written, dire- written and directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri, okay, who is a veteran of Japanese animation, the creator of titles like Wicked City, Ninja Scroll, and Vampire Hunter D: colon, Bloodlust. Okay, all sound great. Uh, this one uh, stars the great uh,
1: Phil Lamar, the aforementioned Phil Lamar.
2: Yeah, as a uh, duo and the other character's samurai. name is Sis. Sis, Hedy Barres. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this has a very cool animation style. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's like this sort of samurai battle between this like crazy white lady with big white hair and this sort of guy in like samurai armor among these trees. And this sort of like a classic feudal Japan like setting. Right, and it feels like, you know,
1: I mean, it, it it's sort of uh, analogous to the Kung Fu training sequence in the first Matrix because it's in such a different setting. It's less annoying to watch it a second time than it was in Last Flight of the Osiris. mm mm-hmm. um, But yeah, it's like just crazy, sort of like um, uh, impressionistic, surreal samurai world.
2: But you know what? We just kind of said everything about it. That's sort of the problem with this one. <coughs> well, yet. here's the rest of this one.
1: Uh, the guy in it is like, hey, no one's listening. I want you to know. I'm going to leave, go back into the Matrix. Yeah, he's basically
2: just doing the Cypher argument where he's like, when I took the red pill, I want to know the truth. Now I don't care about the truth. Like, yeah, we already heard that, you know, stuff from the, uh, the Cypher story in the first Matrix. That's all fine. They have a big battle. She defeats him. You know, she resists his challenge. I think it turns out it was all a training
1: program to see if she would give in to that.
3: Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, and I want to say, too, it's like, why is every simulation fighting? Like, why can't it be like... They like to fight. I don't know, uh, a, a swim in the Caribbean. I agree. Or... Uh, well, here's the question. Ice cream in bed here's the, program. Here's yeah, no,
1: because that's tough to do. It is tough to eat ice cream in bed. It would be helpful to have a training program. Here's, here's the question. <laughs> no, but this is
3: tough to do. Like, so can do you they think, swim? Yeah, here's the, oh no, here's my question. What about real- swimming with ice here's cream? My bed. That would be difficult. because
1: <laughs> <laughs> one hand would have to keep it above water, or else you get true. wet ice
3: cream. But you get a little floaty. <laughs> this is this is the, my question.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you think they have sex in the training program? You know, there are sex programs. So here's my question. Why isn't one of those
1: shorts about that? No,
2: not that. You have to be plugged in and you have to have the programs loaded by an engineer and he has to, like, watch. So how do you deal with that? Is it kind of like you go over to Tank and you're like, hey, Tank, I want to have sex with Switch. I'm APOC. Yeah. Don't look. (laughs) Hey, Tank, I'm APOC. (laughs) I want to have sex with Switch. So can you plug us both in, just load, you know, my favorite sex program. And then, you know, just take it easy for 15 minutes, you know, just take a coffee break, you know, whatever. Well, you know what
1: he'd say. Switch, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not like this. Uh, so anyway. Not like this. Uh, that's program.
1: Um, here's another I, question. It looks good. I have Here, nothing to say about it. Here's another question I had, okay? So, like, in The Matrix, they say, like, if you die in The Matrix, you die in real life. And the scenes where we see someone's plugged in and they get shot or whatever, and then they cut back to them, like, in the real world on the Nebuchadnezzar, and they're like bleeding getting out. Of ble- their brutalized, mouth. yeah.
2: They're getting those injuries, right? Not specifically though. It's like not if you if you get shot, you don't get a gunshot wound. But you're having the internal effects yes. of you, it. You, you, your body reacts,
1: right? Yeah. If if you go into the Matrix in, like a, a simulation. Well, wait. Matrix or a training program? Those are two different things. If you go into, I'll say for either one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think my question applies to either one. But for the sake of clarity and keeping it on subject, I'll say a training program. If you go into a training program that's training you how to fuck, right? Fuck. And you do some fucking in the training program. Do you come in real life? Probably. <laughs> you
3: make a mess in probably. your pants. Probably. You probably,
1: probably it'd be like a wet dream, right? Probably. So are wet dreams just the matrix?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what they are. Hey, actually, I have another question. Please. David, Uh, you probably will be able to help with this. Maybe Griffin. Uh So, in the Matrix, are there, like, for example, are there people with disabilities? Like, is there blind people in the Matrix? Because that fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, Yeah, I think there is. That's you mean. Bullshit. So it's like right. You not
2: only are you a slave to machines who right. lives in like a, but also within the world of the Matrix, they yeah. haven't even. Well, no, yeah, they are. They are. That's absolutely true. hundred yes. percent. Because the whole point of the Matrix is it has to be real. They talk about how yeah. there was the Paradise Matrix where everything was good, and it didn't and it work because work we didn't accept I'm it. Uncanny Valley. Yeah. The only people who can look like badasses are people who are broadcasting from the real world and plugging into the Matrix because. They know they're in a, a fake thing. And yeah. that's why anytime Keanu plugs into the Matrix, he looks like fucking hot shit. Yeah. You know, and he's got a like, you know, $2,000 cassock. Yeah. The, or whatever. But normal people don't
1: know that. So yeah. Okay. Here's another question I have. And David or Ben, you might be able to help me with this one. <laughs> uh, how, do, how does sex work? Oh, just oh. in general? Yeah. What is sex?
3: Oh, dude. That's a great question. Is it good? I've like heard warm good apple
2: things. pie. No, that's a blowjob, oh. right? Is that that's what that uh that's what that uh, is a metaphor Sex for? Sex is in the like American that? Pie too, <laughs> like a warm DVD of American. Pie It's 2. like American Pie too. <laughs> it's uh the uh, mostly a contractually obligated. <laughs> 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 underwritten uh yeah affair yeah i don't yeah, know yeah
1: it's chris klein's
2: last chance for I, relevancy i do like that in american, <laughs> Sex. i is. do like that in american pie everyone has very stupid like you know fakey hollywood crazy oh boy like they're having sex in this like on a pool table yeah. with the mom like whoa all this crazy shit except for um it's mina suvari and chris klein right yeah, just who just no, no 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 it's not it's thomas e nicholas and tara reid because, right, Chris Klein and Mina Safari don't even have sex. Oh, right, that's the but big Thomas thing. Thomas they Nicholas, watch the sunrise. Right, Thomas e. and Nicholas and uh, Tara Reid just have, like, boring loss of virginity sex where she's just kind of like, ow. Yeah. And, like, he's like, you okay? And she's like, I'm okay. Yeah. And that's it. It's, like, totally. That I I like that they at least throw you a bone with, like, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw American Pie, but I think I'm right. Yeah. What? I
1: th- no, I think you're right. I think so, too.
2: Um...
1: <laughs> Our, by the way, our next main series is the American Pie franchise. Oh God, would we do the
2: directed the D- series? Yeah, TV you have sequels? to. You have to do all nine. But they're not canon, are they? Not. No, they're not.
1: I think it's canon that uh, one dude's dad, after that <laughs> dude goes off to high college, just starts hanging out with other teenagers,
2: including various relatives of Stifler. <laughs> right? Like, there's like three different Stifler relatives <laughs> that, in this. So like, hey, some- you're Stifler's pool cleaner.
1: <laughs> okay, so imagine your dad, imagine you go off to college and your dad just decides to start
2: hanging out with relatives of- And he like emails you. That dude you didn't like. He's like, I ran a naked mile with Stifler's, <laughs> you know, second cousin. And Jim's like, <laughs> Stifler was a burden. Jim's like, like I got married. Yeah. I'm married to Allison Hannigan now. I've just now. been
1: talking about how I don't want to hang out with Stifler and he just comes with the rest of the guys. That's like the big thing in American Pie Two is the only reason they can afford the summer houses because Stifler has money. Yeah, and they're like, fuck! I don't want to live with Stifler. I don't want to live with Stifler. And Jim Sad's like, don't worry, I'm gonna hang out with
2: Stifler's nephew. <laughs> but it's always like it's like Stifler goes to band camp. I haven't yeah. seen these films, but I've seen like trailers for them. Yeah, and then it's like who turns around in the chair but Jim's dad he's like I'm the new administrator of oh, cool. Bandcamp. By the way, is still never given a proper name. No, I don't think so. His name is Jim's dad yeah. in like
1: American Pie, eight, Eugene Levy, The Book of Love. Cashed
2: so many fucking checks, man, cuz he was in cheaper by the dozen, too. He's yeah. in just so many, it's incredible. He was in that movie with the Olsen twins, New uh, York Minute. New York Minute, which yeah. I saw opening day in theaters. He was in The Man with Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh bringing down the house. Uh, yeah, I remember Samuel Jackson screened the man for um, victims of Hurricane Katrina for free. Oh no. <laughs> I remember that. Like, it was very hard to make fun of that because it was a very noble gesture of him. But it was. But like, also,
1: they had gone through so much <sighs> suffering at that point. Uh, Why anyway. make them watch the man? So,
2: um, but, how did we get on this? Oh, forget uh, the
1: sex wait, talk. Right, wait, wait I was going to say talk. something really funny. Oh, oh, no, just, I mean, the, I, I do have one funny thing to say. But before that... Uh, can <laughs> but you, before that, can oh you, my God. Can you imagine how offensive bringing down the house must be to watch today because even at the time bringing down it the house like, was offensive at the time but, very but, offensive but
2: now but I mean it was like remarked upon that like this is an offensive film oh this is a very regressive yes, movie Right, if that movie came out tomorrow people would burn down the house yeah they would literally the movie house. burn down the movie house <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it's a terrible, terrible d- piece of this shit. This is what I was going to say. Do you think one of the American Pie sequels has a scene where they Isn't the entire premise of Burning Down the House just that it's outrageously crazy to imagine that Steve Martin would be friends with a black lady? Correct. <laughs> it's like the whole idea. It's like, Steve Martin's got a new friend and it's Queen Latifah. What? $160
1: <laughs> million dollars domestic. That's the only joke of that film. Yeah, And Eugene God. Levy with cornrows going, you got me straight tripping, bro.
2: That's right. I forgot about that.
1: I mean, that was $60 million oh alone on that line. Uh, that movie is fucking awful. Um, do you think there's a scene in one of the American Pie sequels where, like, Eugene Levy's like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jim's dad. And they're like, who's Jim? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know, and I don't care to find out. I haven't even seen—I've only seen American Pies 1 and 2. I have not seen— Wedding or reunion? Oh, bro, you got to attend the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I do not, and I won't. This is another thing. Jonathan Braylock, who gives me shit all every fucking week on Twitter. You see it every week. He's coming hard on he you. Co- he, every week he comes right at me. He's one of our fans. Braylock, friend former of the podcast, guest, former guest, friend of mine. I love you, John, but every week you come after me. <laughs> and this week he committed the most unforgivable sin, which was suggesting that we do Brett Ratner one one day. As a blank check. He is not a blank check filmmaker in the slightest. Tower Heights, though. <laughs> he is the he's someone who literally Hollywood be, would just be like, Can you imitate the style enough of like Silence of the Lambs to do us a red dragon? Like, yeah. can you copy Brian Singer quickly just to do X Men the Last Day? You know, just come on, quickly.
1: I can't wait to see how Braylock live tweets us talking about him right now. But I also love that like for the first half of our podcast when he would live tweet the episodes, he'd be like, Griffin, what the fuck are you talking about? And now he's switched to coming out no, really hard on you. He's
2: he's so cruel to me. It's, it's Ben. You're every up next. Yeah.
1: you're gonna you're gonna face the Bray pretty soon. Oh,
2: n- All uh, right. Oh no. So let's move on because actually, get what's our bro- running what's our running time, Ben? Uh, about an hour. Okay, cool. All right. Great. So yeah, we're we're getting done. Okay, we'll be done in two minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so world record is yeah. the next one. Okay. Uh, create a uh, screenplay by Kawajiri, who did the screenplay for program. And directed by Takeshi Koiki. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm certain I'm mangling some of these names, and I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I, I don't really have anything for you on him. Anyway, this is also kind of cool looking, also weird looking. Yeah. It's about a runner, like a sprinter, who breaks the world record for sprinting. And there's this suggestion that he's so good at this that he's almost like a glitch in the Matrix. And he's becoming somewhat aware that the world is not as somehow it seems. manipulating, right? Yeah. And the agents show up to try and like stop him, ba- basically from like basically, you know, breaking the world record. They don't want to do like weird.
1: superhuman Neo stuff. Um, can I give this uh, short an award? Uh, I would. I would like to give. I was nodding. I would like to give world record. The award for most animated knee sweat
2: (laughs) 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 a lot of knee a lot of calf in this movie a lot of calf
1: i'd say there's probably 20 a solid i'm not overestimating here a solid 20 percent of this runtime is a close-up of a knee with like just beads of sweat like spring like
2: propelled off it like spring loaded Mm -hmm. off of the knee I mean, the film is dramatizing an eight-second hundred-meter dash, so you know it really has to slow things down.
1: It's like sinewy. <laughs> you're seeing like the muscles, like slowly pulsate. You see his muscles pulsate. like rupture. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Um, but if you love knee sweat, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna dig this thing hard.
2: Yeah, I think that's enough,
1: right? I think we did it about this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one is like this gets into the sort of like Twilight Zoney, like Tales from the Matrix kind yeah. of like here are just things that could happen in a world.
2: Right, it has this vaguely interesting idea that he's, right, he's so fast and he's breaking the rules so much that he, like, kind of, they're kind of trying to shock him in his pod back into submission. Yeah. And he's briefly aware of, like, being in the pod. Like, he briefly escapes and then, you know, sort of locks back into the Matrix. You know, the code sort of starts to lift. Kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and the ending is cool.
1: Like, his legs totally rupture and then it cuts to him at the hospital and he's and got big so, like, braces. He will never walk again. And then he fucking
2: wills himself and, to law. And says, free, yeah. which is maybe laying it on a little uh, thick. Yeah. The next film mm-hmm. is called Beyond, and it's written directed by Koji Morimoto, who is a Japanese anime director who uh, worked on Akira, worked on Kiki's Delivery Service. He's the co-founder of Studio 4 Degrees. I don't know. He's oh, a guy. Oh, Studio 4 Degrees. <coughs> yeah, we, we're, we're anime neophytes. Yeah, we really are. I we mean, really. I really, I know, I know shit and now about I'm going to pretend to it's know. It's crazy. I know sh- so much shit about so many nerdy things that anime is just the biggest blind spot. I don't, I just never there's got no into weir- it. There's apart like- from the Pokemon anime, which yes. I watched every episode.
1: But there's like so much nerd stuff that I know just from sort of osmosis, from proximity. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you spend enough time in a comic book store, you start to know about other yes. adjacent nerd properties just because you're like in those worlds. I, I know like certain anime titles, but I lo- know like fucking nothing. Mm,
3: you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean uh, I got pretty much heavy metal, and that's about it. Sure. Yeah, I mean that that doesn't really that was that's uh, not even anime. No, it's it like just Fre- an animated. No, it was French.
1: Movie. It was French. Ben. Oh, sorry. Yeah.
3: Um. It's cool though. I didn't it, realize yeah, yeah. it was specific to, I guess Japan. Uh
1: Anime. Yeah, I think anime. Like, uh, yeah, I think specifically. Yes. Can I also say, you oh, liking...
2: anime-inspired stuff. Uh, you liking heavy metal is uh, the least surprising yeah, thing I've ever heard. That's pretty... Oh, and there's another thing that Ben likes that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, so well, I won't it. Yeah, I mean, oh, don't, don't spoil it. No no, 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 no. I mean about... It doesn't matter. We'll get to it. Oh, oh about the Animatrix, you're saying. Yeah, we'll get yes, to it. We'll yes, get yes, to yes, it. Yes, anyway, yes. Beyond. Okay. Beyond's cute. Yeah, this is probably... I don't think it's the worst one, but it's the most kind of inconsequential one Very for Very inconsequential. It's basically a bunch of kids, including a teenage girl. Stumble across a glitch in the Matrix, like a weird house where weird shit happens. Yeah. And they play around there, and then it gets fixed by the agents, and that's the end of that. This also,
1: I mean. Uh, Looks good. Looks uh, well, nice. see, I was going to say, this is actually my least favorite oh, anime. sort. Of Just, it's, very style of anime. it's very traditional. It's very traditional. It's sort of limited movement, expressive, like uh, backgrounds, but like. Um, their faces are pretty static, you know. I—I I mean, it's just—it's not—it's not aesthetically my kind of thing. I'm not gonna try to explain it because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's uh, kids it's just looking for a cat. Yeah, take care yeah. of your cats. Guys. Yeah, I think let's on. focus on that for a second. Jeez,
2: no. let's not. You don't want to focus on that. I don't want to focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I want to move on to the next story,
3: which is called a detective story. Because you could put a chip on the cat and you could track it with a GPS. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Cool. Good ideas, guys. Cat- a detective cat-care. story. We're booking through these now. Well, because I feel like we're going to talk a lot about matriculated. I think so we're more
3: yeah. than an hour in already. What is a yeah. bell going to do, you know?
1: Yeah. What well, You, you me put an iPod shuffle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So you can hear different songs rather
2: than just the bell over and over and over again. A detective story is written and directed by Shinichiro Watanabe.
1: Oh, he directed Bring Down the House, right? Uh... He- <laughs>
2: No, I already mentioned him, I think. He he also worked on um uh fuck. Uh it's coming it's a kid's story. Okay. Uh anyway, uh the although the animation is by a guy called Kazuto Nakazawa and this one is a prequel to The Matrix sort of. Like to the original Matrix sort of. Yeah. Uh It's got a nice animation style. L- love the look of this. This
1: thing. No- noiry rainy black and white black. Uh, sort of 40s pulpy kind of thing uh done in voiceover. I mean it's got it's got that whole
2: sort of vibe to it. Yeah, it's basically about a private detective called Ash, who's uh-huh. voiced by James Arnold Taylor. Uh-huh. Who is uh famous, I don't know if you know this, for playing Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars Clone oh. Wars and all other animated related things.
1: I knew I recognized that name.
2: I was gonna say again, like you were saying, they employed a lot of the big Viggo, uh, guys. The, the guys yeah. yeah, he is given a case to track down this hacker Trinity, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of Alice in Wonderland shit, like in the movie. Yeah. While he looks for her, and that's kind of that. He finds her. She tries to free him, but the the agents are gonna like jump into his body, so she has to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "It's okay." Hell of a case, though. Lights a cigarette, and that's the end of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, story-wise, it's k- kind of caca-poo-poo.
2: Uh-huh. It looks amazing. It does have that interesting idea, though, of, like, why don't the agents just jump into Neo's body?
1: Yes. and Like,
2: which is never really redressed.
1: Ben threw out something that I kind of like. Do you, do you want to state your case for this one, Ben? Uh, I don't know if I remember that. The thing you were saying about him sort of being so uh, old-fashioned
3: Oh, yeah, like, he would never be able to uh, actually deal with the reality of the world, like, uh, you know, that he's stuck in the 40s.
1: Like, the fact that this guy is, like, fashioning himself as, like, a Philip Marlowe character. Right. Even just in how his, like, internal monologue sounds. But you realize he's in fucking 1999 because it's, you know, set The Matrix. Sure. So it's like, this guy, he's, he's in the wrong genre. Sure. You know when he finds out that the like he's now tipping into stepping into this territory, and it's like no, 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 don't don't even deal with this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, don't fart too
2: much. You said caca poo poo. Yeah, a couple minutes back. What do you have any further things to say? No, I think it looks nice. Yeah, it looks okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the final short, which I think is the best, and you agree. Yep. Yeah. Uh, is called Matriculated. It's written and directed by Korean American director Peter Chung, who is widely known for his work on Eon Flux. Correct. The MTV awesome '90s animated series
1: adapted into the uh, mangled, uh, strange Karen Kasama, uh, uh, Charlie's Theron uh, yes. starring film.
2: Yes. Correct. Matriculated has a very cool animation style because this guy's got a really. I mean, he's a really amazing animator and this really cool story. Yeah, so this is getting into, like, if
1: you separate these into categories, it's like, okay, there are the ones that overlap with the Matrix. Films, yes. Right, which is, like, sort of detective story to a lesser degree. We already talked about this. Right, this this gets into the, here. here's just exploring the idea.
2: Yeah, like, what it's just, this is a sort of off-the-wall idea of, like, ooh, what if you did this? Right, and it's not like, oh,
1: here's another story set in it, here's a different character. This is, like, what's a whole different like, sort of philosophical
2: angle to hit the Matrix world from. Right. Which I love. Yeah, because it's too easy to just think, like, okay, so what happens is everyone just drives around in the weird hammer ships, and they fight squids, they go into the Matrix sometimes, and that's what they do. You know, it's nice to see something else that humans do in the real world, which is this band of humans who kidnap robots, you know, AI creatures. They, like, lure them into their base, plug them into a Matrix, like, into an artificial world, And try to interact with them on that level. yeah. And, like, see if they can win them over, basically. So, uh,
1: it starts out with this cool, A.M. Fluxy-looking woman.
2: Because, and I think it's not really talked about in the films at all, but, like, the squids are not high AI. No. They just are search and destroy They're like grunts. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, it's not like the squids sit around and they're like... Crazy day, a tough day. I, at work. I yeah. flew around sewers for a millennia. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I haven't
1: had a vacation in fucking like eight months. <laughs> they, but, I'm
2: flying all the time. I'm exhausted. My tentacles
1: ache really hard. <laughs> all eight thousand of them. I keep getting hit with EMPs, which yeah, all sucks. The time. Here's the other thing. Do you know what it's like to go to work every day and know that everyone hates you? <laughs> like I'm just getting all this negative
2: energy all the time. So that's what's happening in matriculate. They're catching one of these basically search and destroy bots. It's called and a runner. It's got right, little. It's even stilt smaller legs. than. Yeah.
1: And the squid sentinels it's, it's kind of like a daddy long legs maybe right and but they plug him into this
2: artificial world and they try to interact with it there
1: right so it starts out with just like the thing looks amazing and it's this and fluxy looking woman and her pet monkey i think it's a tarsier sure it's a little monkey in a bottle uh really adorable looking and they're like getting this this walker to the runner to chase them and they get back to a zone and then they're trapped and then the thing's kind of caught and then like The wall comes up, and everyone's there applauding, and they're like, nice work, nice work. Right. But the whole first part of it, you're like, maybe it's just a chase thing. Maybe this whole short's going to be just like a her on the run thing. Right. And then they're like, good. Then there's this really good scene I like, which is her talking to the scientist Mm -hmm. while he's sort of like doing upkeep on the machines. And they're talking about the whole idea of consciousness within these machines. Right. You know? And dream states versus living states and whether like the dreams make you feel alive, you know, or it's a
2: really cool idea. There it's just good it's good dialogue. The girl we should say is voiced by Melinda Clark, who's famous. A oh. famous voice actress, but also famous for being on the O. C. for many years is Julie Cooper.
1: Yes. And she was also in the motion picture
0: spawn.
1: Oh yeah. Way back in the day.
2: I but she does yeah. a lot of voice acting.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh she um that that you don't really know where it's going at that point. And then they like sit down in a circle
0: mm-hmm. and he's it's like
1: cool. would you mind plugging me in? And they think of the thing in the middle and they plug him in. It feels a little inceptiony too, where it feels like they're going into like the human subconscious because then when you get to the aesthetics of the world that they show you here, it's very um it's I mean it's really brightly colored. Mhm. It's very sort of um I don't know. It, it looks like... It looks different. I
0: don't
1: know. Yeah, it, it sort of looks like these, like, sort of um, religious paintings almost. Yeah,
2: sure, sure. You know? Um, but it, I think the idea is it's supposed to be more of a melding of man and machine brain thinking.
1: I don't know. Right, but also the idea that it's not as clinical as the matrix that the machine world's yes. created, which is about literally representing yep. these things. Right. This is incorporating emotions. Right. Yeah, You yeah, know? This totally is incorporating it. the human feeling. So it is a lot more sort of fluid, Mm -hmm. Um, impressionistic. Impressionistic is the word I was looking for. Mm. Thank you. Uh, It looks fucking
2: amazing.
1: Yes, I could watch it.
2: Forever. Well, they run around for a while and eventually the robot's eyes turn green yeah. rather than red, which suggests that there's been some sort of a change.
1: Yeah, they're still sort of getting the, the runner to chase them around within this world, but yeah. they like know what they're fucking doing. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. like, this is the thing,
2: this is the routine, we do this all the time. Um, um and then the machines come and sort of route this, you know, little human stronghold and kill all the humans except for the girl. Yeah. And this robot feeling sad about it tries. Are you are to- talking about back in the in the real world. Yes.
1: Yes. yes. Well, let's. What we is there spe- something we else? We spent time in the dream. No, because you did, we did a quick quick turn in the thing. Oh, okay. Fine. They like in plug the real- out, and they're like, "What's wrong?" And they're like, "Fucking Sentinels comment. Sure. So the, the robot's still plugged in, and the main lady's still plugged in. No, 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 no. Oh, right, she plugged. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to find out these sentinels, and everyone gets killed except mm-hmm. for her and, and
2: the main run. What I just said. Yeah,
1: but you didn't explain what that. What I it just was, said. It sounded like it was within the fantasy And, and then so
2: the good robot plugs himself back in and plugs the lady back in because he's sad. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And then she realizes what's going on, and she literally dies. She, like, screams and disappears. It's cool. Yeah. And then he's all alone. It's incredible. It is. It's very good. It's very. It's a very good idea. Uh, it's a. It's a
1: fuck killer concept. It looks unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all naked. Mm. But like brightly colored. Whoa, that's what you, you know? like. Yeah, I like them. Orange bodies. Um, I, I do I do like I like green people. Love a green person. Yeah, you haven't seen Warcraft yet, right? Paul sing Patton's it, green. Seeing it that tomorrow. Right? Seeing it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it might be enough to get me to go see that movie because I like it. I
2: think Warcraft is going to be a film we're going to have to talk about one day. Yeah, I agree. It is a textbook movie that we talked about. Blank just like, why? Why was all this money spent? Because the reaction is either people saying, that was the worst film I ever saw in my entire life. Yeah. Or people saying, like, I don't know. I think I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Ah, like But without really being able to defend it.
1: Can I, can I just,
2: like, stump
1: for a second here? Yeah. So, Warcraft cost
2: a lot of money to make,
1: right? Uh, yeah. And it's based on this big property that's existed for a long time that has, like, passion defenders. And it's like existed sensitive for 20 years. Right. Sensitive material, right? Like, sort of, like, holy material to its fan base. Uh, How many times are we fucking reading pieces... Where like studio executives are saying, like, look, just there aren't enough women who are bankable enough. There aren't enough non-white men who are bankable enough. There aren't gay actors who are bankable enough okay. to lead a big blockbuster. Who's
2: the fucking lead of Warcraft? Who is this fucking Jamoke with the beard? Uh, Travis Fimmel, he's in Vikings.
1: Oh, oh, of course. Travis Fimmel for Vikings. Vikings! He, he can carry a two hundred million dollar movie. No, I agree with you. What what the fuck is like because here's the thing. If you're going like, oh, oh, Taylor Kitch, right?
0: mm-hmm
1: okay he's unproven but he's done it he's doing four of these at the same time we think maybe we could balance this thing on him who fucking knows travis
2: film uh i have to disagree with you taylor kitsch is the exact same scenario i'm sorry i like taylor kitsch i think he was great on FNF friday night lights and i get why studios all wanted to bank on him but it's the same objectionable thing find actors of color who are unproven i think both are shitty both shitty. Sorry. Travis but, Fimmel was on a successful TV show that people like. But, here, like, you but know. here's the difference. Like, I, I mean, I don't like it or I anything, guess but. here's
1: the one marginal difference for me why I find Travis Fimmel even like a step beyond, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm saying one's worse than the other. Mm-hmm. The
3: They're Travis Fimmel thing
1: is for me, I remember when Friday Night Lights was on, everyone was like, this Taylor Kitsch guy, someone should put him in movies. Yeah. Like it felt like people wanted to see him in movies. He wasn't a big deal, but anyone who watched that show was like, he should be in movies. I haven't heard anyone ever fucking say Travis Fimmel's name. Eh, he's
2: good in Maggie's Plan.
1: Oh, great! Give him a two hundred million dollar blockbuster. Dude,
2: I just—I'm sorry. I don't disagree with your point. I violently disagree with you on the Taylor Kitsch thing. It's the same shit. It's the same shit Hollywood pulls was all the a time. A step worse. No, nope, it's the same shit Hollywood's always pulled, and it would be worse. Only if Taylor Kitch had been in one movie, but he was in multiple giant blockbuster yeah, franchises. I guess what it, out, was he got, it was egregious. He got like three at the same and time. And not only that, he never should have done it anyway because it fucked his own career. Like he was an idiot for signing off for John Carter, you know, playing Gambit. And there's another big one I forget- uh, uh, Battleship. Yeah. What the fuck was he thinking? <laughs> now, at least Battleship makes sense because it's a Peter Berg movie and Peter Berg made Friday Night Lights, So you can see. Yeah. Why Peter Berg is like okay? Here is a guy. Don't for me. sign up for all three. Pick <laughs> one. Pick one, bro. It's just I mean the mistakes that actor made, and I love Taylor Kitch. I think yeah. he's a very charming actor in the right situation. Still, it really, it really makes me mad. But then the same guy is Charles who played, um, uh, fuck, not Street. I'm trying to remember their names on a Friday. Night. Did you watch Friday? Night I didn't watch. Friday oh night shit! Night Lights, yeah. What's, what's, what's I have to look it up because it's driving me crazy. They all have, you know, kind of silly. Oh, Smash Williams—that's his name, right? Uh, well, what is his name? Is Smash Williams. He's black. He's a black actor. Okay. He and uh, he was that's a great name. Smash Williams. He's Great. They all—they've all got great. Jason Street, Smash Williams, and uh, that's incredible. Whatever Taylor Kitch's character's name. Yeah. Tim Riggins. Uh he shit. He's had no career. You know, yeah. he's like a guest star on Grey's Anatomy. Like it's nothing. Like it's it's right there. It's Stark. It's laid out for you right there. What happens here? Michael B. Though. Yeah, Michael B., who, of course, was he's on got the, the later seasons of, of Friday Night yeah. Lights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's a great—more of that, please. Yeah. More of that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Sorry. You just—you got my goat there. But, I mean, I don't like Travis Fimmel either, like, being in movies.
1: I'm not saying— th- I the assume they wanted—
2: should have happened. I want to make that clear. I just—the Travis Fimmel one, I was like, it's who— bad. The fuck is this? It's bad.
1: I hadn't but even heard of my him. My guess it. is
2: they were just like, well, we need kind of Viking types, right? Because isn't this like medieval? Like, you know, they they probably weren't thinking very hard about it. Get the yeah, Vikings it's crazy guy. Crazy to me. I mean, me. Dominic Cooper is in it. It's a lot of yeah, a lot of uh, no name white guys are in that movie. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I feel like the oh Ben Foster. Yeah, the king of. Ben, uh, no name white guy performance. Yeah. I mean, I love Ben Foster once in a while, but I love him once in a while. I think he plays a goofy wizard in this, and I'm interested to see it. Yeah, Paula Patton though. Well, but this is the thing, Paula Patton. But they totally screw her over. She's like crazy green, like CGI with big teeth, and right, like she she gets bad roles.
1: Philosophically, I hate that she can only be in a movie like that yeah. if she's green. What was the other thing that she? But on in a base year? level, I like green ladies.
2: Well, you know, no, nothing That's wrong the with problem. a green light. Like I, I enjoyed Zoe Saldana in Guardians of the Galaxy. Me too. I like green without parties. you know. Oh, the other thing she's in this year. Oh, what a bummer. The Do Over. What a bummer. Yeah, the Adam Sandler Netflix film. Do Over's got a pretty good cast. Paula was... Patton's so good in Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah. I wish I kept her on. Yeah, me too. Me too. Who? Although Rebecca Ferguson was uh, bomb, bomb. Well, a bomb. here, here's a crazy idea. Have both. What? Mm one woman. No. What, I'm kidding, yeah, what I'm if joking. I know if Paul I know. Patton was
1: still part of the team and Rebecca Ferguson still had the exact same plot Especially
2: cuz Paul Pat Paula Patton didn't have any uh like there wasn't a romantic plot line with Tom Cruise per se. Pointedly didn't have exactly. a romance whereas plot Rebecca line. Ferguson there's more of that going on. What do you think, Ben?
3: Uh <laughs> Sometimes I love to throw a Ben just so uh, freeze uh, up. I I been tuned tuning out this whole part Yeah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, eh, we're having fun. Uh,
2: One thing you do know that we're talking about is the Ben Surprise. So let's talk about the Ben Surprise. The Big Ben Surprise. Do we have any... Is, well, I guess we'll say goodbye to the Wachowskis right at the end. Holy shit. I'm not doing well, folks. Yeah. The Big Ben Surprise.
1: Yeah. Cue it up for us. Okay. So we want to do a palate cleanser. This is the end of the Wachowski. We're, we're going to get to our final Wachowski thoughts. Um... And we were looking, what what's a good palette cleanser? Because we, we didn't really do one. Batman versus Superman ended up being our last episode. We wanted to do one series. Mm-hmm. All these ideas were things we talked about before, but we're looking long term. And we're like, someone would, you know, someone would suggest something, and we'd go like, ah, but we might want to do that director at one point. Do we want to take that off the table? And if we do that miniseries later, do we have to do it again? What are we going to do? How do we do one that doesn't cancel it out? I said the only option is old dogs. David said
2: no. Yeah, I did. I said no. <laughs>
1: I said, old dogs, though. Mm -hmm. He said, no, though. That's correct. And then I said, wait a second. Ben, what's your favorite movie ever? Yeah, we just threw to Ben. Like, just Ben, off the top of your head. And you were like, how would that be a blank check? And I was like, what if the blank check is we're giving birthday Benny, the peeper himself, (laughs) the blank
2: check? Now, I want to make it clear. I was very in support of this idea. But but I had like to, when you, well, once no, that angle was well, revolting. I want to say, like the real evolution was, I was like, I really don't want to do old dogs, maybe if we called it like Griffin's choice right. and like then I get to pick a movie that you don't really want to do someday, then you said, what if it was Ben's choice, and you know, you've said before we do this podcast, this podcast is done to Ben, sure, it is <laughs> wait so once a lot i mean li, he just just now was tuning out our annoying, chattering voices. But people love it when Ben gets passionate about something, when he
1: finds something he really wants to fight for. So he said, what's the movie that Ben wants to fight for the most? Yeah. And Ben has the floor, and for once the tables are turned, and Ben gets to sell us on a movie. And I said, Ben, what would that movie be? Off. Just fire it out. Fire the first name out of your head. And this was a a three-way text conversation we were having, right? Yep. yep. The response came in within three seconds, mm-hmm. which, factoring in signal times, means he, he probably typed it in within one second, yes. right? And and he responded with a single word. Yeah. And that word, Ben, would you like to share that one word with the
3: audience? Uh, sure. It was uh, uh, Fletch, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Chevy Chase film from 1985. We said, Ben,
2: you can <laughs> vouch for any but, film. Ben's the, the Michael pick- Ritchie detective comedy. <laughs> yes.
1: Followed by Fletch Lives. Ben, you can pick any film in history. Yeah, yeah. And Ben said, I want to fight for Fletch. I love Fletch. Fletch. So next week we'll be covering
2: (laughs) Fletch. Here's one thing I want to say about this. Ben's got the check and he's cashing it in on Fletch. That's right. Here's one thing I want to say about this. Yeah. I've never seen Fletch. I have. Okay. I
1: think it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Ben's going to be fighting for Fletch. That's what I'm excited for. Ben's going to fucking fight Fletch. For flesh.
3: Well, it's the kind of movie, comedy movie I like where it's all about the jokes, right? And a lot of the times the jokes break momentum. The story isn't even that good. But I I don't know. I, I, for whatever reason, as a kid, I was obsessed with this movie. I could quote like it at length. So it's all about ball bangers these days. It is. I'll have a steak sandwich and uh, a steak sandwich.
1: Yeah. Char- charge it to the under guys. it good oh, jokes. Sorry, for me. I'm yeah. sorry. But next week, uh, Ben's taking the reins. Yes, we're talking Fletch. Yes, and this then, is
3: exciting too because Dave has never seen this movie. I've
1: never seen it. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting balance. Someone who loves Fletch, someone who's fine with Fletch, and someone who's never seen. Fletch. <laughs> never seen Fletch.
2: Yeah. And then after that, we're going to do our next miniseries. Yeah. Yeah, about Cameron Crowe.
1: I uh, we've officially decided. Here's why we're doing Cameron before James. We respect your votes. Yeah, we're doing James Wright
2: afterwards. right afterwards. Cameron
1: and Cameron. Yes. Uh, the reason we're doing Cameron first is that uh, it's Rody's- pure
2: cynical marketing. Yeah,
1: Rodie's premieres in June, and we think Late it would June. be nice to dovetail in with that. Yeah, you know, no. it's it's he'll be on our minds. It's his,
2: he's got a Showtime show for yes. people who don't know what Rodie's is. Yeah, yes. it's his new show on Showtime. Yeah,
1: um, and it, it it's possibly a redemption moment for him. Could be. Could Maybe be. you know a new medium will revitalize him. Hmm. And uh, if we did James Cameron first by the time we got to Cameron Crowe and we're then trying to talk about roadies, yeah. it would be, yeah, you know, a little, either yeah. it'll be a done deal, people will like it and it won't be exciting, yeah. or it'll be over and,
2: and we'll be beating a dead Because you know what this podcast is, is we, we talk about fresh stuff, like the Animatrix, you yeah. know? <laughs> we really like to be on topic. Keep it fresh. Fresh. So anyway, the fresh maker. Uh, no, we actually have to name the podcast. I don't know what we're going to call the jam- uh, the Cameron Crow podcast yet. Uh, I guess we'll think uh, pod about Pod
1: had me at cast. Show me the podcast. We got I mean, some you suggestions. You had me
2: at podcasting is a pretty delightful, simple. <laughs> it's so silly.
1: You like podcasting rather than podcast? Because it's just hello. It's not you had me at
2: helloing. There's something so funny about it to me. Um, you had me at podcast. Yeah, you had me at podcast. Yeah. It just feels so sudden. You had me at podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, feel free to write in names. But we could,
2: do, we'll think about yeah. other stuff too. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, almost podcasters.
1: Yeah. Something like that. We'll do something like that. We're not going to call it like Pod Marin yeah,
2: yeah. right. Castro. Castro. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We uh, bought a podcast. We bought a pod- <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
1: here's the podcast thing. town. Podcast town. Uh, Podcasting town? Podcasts.
2: For singles. You mm-hmm. get it? I do. Uh
1: that film, the only acting appearance of Tim Burton. I'm sure we'll talk about that at length.
2: Podcast Anything. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost done. Yeah. Uh,
1: pod any cast.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do we get there all the Well, night? we haven't done Aloha. It's a hard one to do. Pod low. Yeah. I don't know. Let's,
1: yeah. <laughs> We're okay. So next week, talking fletch. Week after that. <laughs> podcast me at, at, at hello <laughs> oh god podcast me at hello is kind of fun you had me at podcast is good man uh, we'll, I don't know we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out we'll figure it out i'll be we better by we always <laughs> argue over the name i know i'll be better by then i won't be sick it'll be easier to sound and, then and after, listen to yeah
2: after that we will do james uh, cameron james cameron i
3: promise you
2: i just feel like a break from genre filmmaking. This is the argument I, I was making to Griffin. Yeah. It would be nice, just you know, just a little bit of a a different stream before we dip into literally the most famous genre filmmaker of all time.
1: And look, the, both the Camerons who are pretty, never made a non-genre yes. movie. Uh, both the Camerons are pretty close in voting. We're do, We're just gonna do both of them. We're flipping the order from how you want it, but it was close enough. And I hope you respect our reasons and you don't take it personally. We love uh, you. Yeah, we, we love cherish you. Cherish your
2: opinions. We do, but also, you know, it's like. Uh, if you don't like it, it's our podcast. And, here's, uh, and it's a free podcast. And let's say
1: this. If you're wondering what the next palate cleanser would be after that, a little teaser, we then kept the text thread going because you were like, wait, I want to hear what other stuff Ben likes. Ben, <laughs> tell me other movies you like. And Ben started listing movies. Yeah. And at one point we said, what's your absolute number one favorite movie? Not what movie would you most like to talk about in the podcast. Not what movie do you most want to defend. Mm-hmm. What's your number one, with a bullet, all-time history of cinema favorite movie? And Ben's answer was?
3: The Man Who Knew Too Little.
1: The
2: Bill Murray comedy from <laughs> the 19... John Emile joint. <laughs> 97. <laughs> which I saw as a child, me haven't too. seen since. Yeah, I saw in theaters. Remember yeah. him in a Russian hat? Yeah, me too. That's all I remember. So maybe one day we'll do The Man Who Knew Too Little. I also said
3: Stargate. I like Stargate. That I really wanted to do, but Griffin
2: was like, maybe we'll do Roland Emmerich one day. And I was like, what? You should totally fucking do Roland Emmerich. I don't want to do him. He's made too many, you know, crappy little movies. I love Dare to Tomorrow. I love I just feel like that's so far down the road, and also but Stargate is bonkers. Can't deny that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you ever see Anonymous?
2: No, no, I haven't kind seen Anonymous.
1: We also get to talk
2: Stonewall. Give me a hundred. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the worst films I've ever seen. That's one of the worst ones I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I saw that movie. Did you I did see it. Didn't it's see it. so bad. Uh, yeah, give me a hundred million dollars. Oh, what for? Listen to this. A scientist played by James Spader <laughs> goes through a portal to ancient Egypt, but they're really aliens. And here you go. <laughs> right in the check. Let's do it. This will be the first movie to ever have a website. Hey, who's who's the villain? Oh, you know, Jay Davidson. <laughs> yeah, you know, Academy Award nominee Jay Davidson, who is the uh, dude who everyone thought was a lady in the crying game. And he never plays Those are the only two film performances two, two from Jay Davidson. Pretty good. Two for two. Yeah. Yeah, at a 100.
1: Got an Oscar batted nom awesome. for one, got an action figure from the other. Book closed. Uh, well, they didn't stop
3: there. They made a show out of it. Oh,
1: boy. They did. They made several shows out of it. I think there's three different Stargate shows. Is that possible?
2: Oof. I think there's Stargate. Yeah, Stargate, Stargate SG-1, Atlantis. Stargate, and Atlantis, I I believe... and Stargate Universe.
1: Well, was, am I wrong in thinking there was also a Stargate animated series at some point? No. Stargate
2: the animated series? I don't know. Maybe. MacGyver was in Stargate SG-1. Yeah, I know. MacGyver. Um, anyway, we're not doing Stargate, so I don't know why we're talking so much about Stargate. Because well, we might do Stargate at some point. Uh, so that's that and that's that and so any last thoughts on the Wachowskis we didn't really relate these to the Wachowskis but that's because the Wachowskis didn't have as heavy a hand in the Animatrix Um, but these are all you know it's just cool to see people playing in their world and Griffin what are you looking
1: at I'm trying to pull up something it'll make sense in a second say your final thoughts on, on the Wachowskis I'm gonna miss them
2: I think they're some of Hollywood's most just boldest voices and
3: I'm just gonna miss talking about their movies I was so happy to talk about all these movies I I really enjoyed uh, actually getting to see the full Matrix trilogy. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know I really got one over like a lot of our listeners to uh, Speed Racer, and uh, uh, Jupiter Ascending was great too. And I just like I think that I like that they're filmmakers that have really big ideas because I, I I like big things. Uh, I do too. I think
1: they're great. Um, I, I will say I was talking to a friend the other day and I kept on saying like, you know, we do this, you know, that's our struggle. Like, I was saying like, we and our, and he was like, what's with all this like lofty we and our stuff? And I was like, I honestly, I think that's just, I've been watching more movies for like the last two and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've really kind of made me, mm-hmm. you know, when you see them all in a row mm-hmm. like this, you get into this very sort of humanist, like empathetic Absolutely. sort of space and it's of like, just... It's-
2: this is a time when we need a lot of that. We need some Wachowskis. It's a bit of a grim time Yeah. in the world. I just watched like three hours of Donald Trump on my TV last night, I feel like. Yeah, can I say something? I don't like that guy. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Brother. Yeah. I don't like him either.
1: No, but here's... here. I and I don't know if I'm going to get controversial when I say this. Mm-hmm. Not only do I not like him, I don't want him to be president of the United States. I agree with you. Uh, watch us lose a bunch of listeners. What if it turned out that all... All of our listener base was like just big Trump heads. <laughs> um, I am
2: I'm just looking at our podcast reviews for the first time in a while. Have you seen
1: me? Yeah, a couple of really weird ones. Um, I I thank the Wachowskis for helping my worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them. I want them to go, get to make more movies again. I hope we're lucky enough. You know, with a week's distance, I definitely appreciate Sense Eight a little more for what it is. But like, I want to see them making tight. You know, fucking motion picture extravaganza. Yeah, and I hope they screen. do again.
2: And when they do, we'll be there. Oh, we'll be there, open and day. Yeah. All right. So, what do you want to read from And I
1: promise, you know, if there's another Wachowski, we're doing a one off. Always know, know, any filmmaker we've covered, if they have a new film coming out, we're going to go back to the
2: well. Here are the filmmakers we'll do George Lucas, Georgie Porgy, anything in the Star Wars series, mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan, mm-hmm. and now the Wachowskis, all added to the roster, all added to the shelf. Mm hmm.
3: And if there's a sequel to The Judge. Oh, it's
2: Judge 2. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's a real cliffhanger at the end of the film. You wonder if he's going to become a judge. Um, I would like to do a little merchandise spotlight. Go ahead. Because there is one piece of merchandise that is showcased specifically in- What is it? The Samsung SPH-N270. What's that? The Matrix
2: phone. That you mean that weird phone that she drops in final flight of the osiris
1: Yes, which they made as a real phone can you give it the spell it out for me uh s p h n two seventy uh made to resemble the phone used in the matrix reload and also right. the final flight of the Osiris
2: Yeah now by the way, guys, this is not the actually cool phone that's just a normal sort of like slide phone that Neo uses in the first Matrix. This is the, like, really bonkers sci-fi phone that they all use in the sequels that are, is cool in its own way.
1: Uh, uh, and the quote, the design crew of the Matrix were closer to Samsung, develop a phone whose features and release date would coincide with the movie. Oh, nice that they made the release date coincide with the movie. Now, here's, the, here's where I get tripped up. Ready? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the SPH-N270 was not intended as a mainstream phone for everyday use. Okay. When have you ever heard anyone use the term mainstream phone? I don't know. You know that weird indie cell phone you have? I don't know. Mainstream. Instead, it was marketed solely to fans of the series as a piece of rare, high-quality merchandise. Maybe
2: it was super expensive. Maybe that's what that means.
1: Uh, Perhaps the most remarkable feature, it's a spring-loaded earpiece which snaps up to reveal the screen.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's like the snap is, the the screen covering is the ear, I, I don't know, whatever. Right. Um... And then it says, uh, where, where's the thing here? Uh, there's a section, relation to the Matrix. The green code on a black background made famous by the Matrix is found in many menus of the phone by default. Right. So it's got Matrix menus, which are probably just hard to read. Uh, probably really hard to read. The phone is mostly made of black plastic, and the button shows stylized green digits. Yeah. The manual box and collector's tin also feature the Matrix code. Um, and oh, and here's, a, here's a good detail. Uh, The charger is the only item in the package with no reference to the Matrix film.
2: Um, Thank you for all that, Griffin. When it
1: boots up, the Matrix is displayed on the screen. Yes. The phone's turned off. The message goodbye is shown in a manner reminiscent of Neo's first encounter with the Matrix. Yeah. And it comes
2: with three screensavers themes. All right. Enough. 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 I'm turning your phone off. (laughs) This Um, can't be the end of the episode. This is so boring. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but, but can I just say, so it was uh, a special edition. It cost $500. Yeah, that's why. There were uh, 10000 produced, and you could only use it on Sprint PCS. Here's my question. If you're going to make a big point of the fact that this phone is like, oh, it's meant for collectors. It's not a mainstream phone. It's not for everyday use. Then why make it a fucking functional phone? I don't know. Make a, a high-quality replica or make something I can use.
0: I don't know. Weirdos. Like, this is a
1: display phone.
0: Joe, I, I, make I, it a
1: prop. I, I, I got nothing to say to you about this. I don't care. A merchandise spotlight. I'm glad we don't do as many merchandise
2: spotlights. I'll say that much.
1: I'm also just dying in here. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm putting my stuff away right now.
2: Ben? Yeah, what's up?
1: Would you happen to have any entries
2: for...
0: The
2: Burger Report. Yeah, I made burgers last night, but there really?
1: were no celebrities present. I, I've eaten four in the last week, and I have seen zero fans. worried about you. There's too many burgers. I'm not doing well.
3: Yeah. Okay, a burger report. Um, have I, Uh, well, there's one that I don't think I'm, al- all right, hold on. Give me a second here. Um, you're, you're wondering whether you're allowed to share? The there's food? one, yeah, that I don't think I should. Um, hot report being redacted wow. before it's even shared. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, someday, but uh, okay, for now, let's see. Let's see. I want to get a good, juicy burger report. Okay, yeah. here we go. Juicy, this is, like a burger. This is cool. This is a good one. Uh, so I it was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony, it was in New York. Okay, um, and a bunch of people came uh, afterwards to the second floor, so they shut it down, and I was uh, working the bar. But I had an opportunity to talk to Tom Waits a little bit, and the great he was Tom Waits. He very was cool. I was that very very like I, you kind of just get desensitized because you're around so many of these like really huge people, but
1: yeah, Ben that, knows from famos. I mean, at this point, you can't
3: you can't you know blow Ben's mind, right? But Tom Waits really like I was like very nervous around him. But, uh, yeah, I sold him on a burger, and he was, like, in his, you know, gravelly voice, like, it's pretty good. I'll have that burger. This burger's good. I like eating this burger. So uh, that was cool. Um, And then I just talked to him at length about how I'm obsessed with Rain Dogs and Swordfish Trombones, which are, like, two of, like, I think his best albums.
1: I didn't know you were such a Weights fan.
3: Love Weights. I don't really like the 70s stuff, the kind of jazzy troubadour stuff, but I like all the, like, Weird, experimental, avant-garde, 80s, 90s stuff.
1: That makes sense. That fits in with the band That does sound like a band Now, let me ask you. You said you had to sell him on the burger. Was it a hard sell? Was he showing resistance? And if so, how did you win him
3: over? Well, I went ahead and I talked to him about uh, the uh, burger being a mix uh, that we do in-house, obviously. But a mix of, it's got, uh, you know, different cuts. It's got some fat to it and it's like uh, just the superior burger as well as it comes with this like really nice kind of like uh, very strong kind of bitey kind of uh, blue cheese. I forget the brand that we used or the variety that we used and then it's just got some really good Uh, shoestring fries tossed with olive oil and rosemary.
1: This podcast is so off the
2: rails.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you not want to get that burger right now? No,
2: let's go get it. I mean, it sounds amazing. I mean,
1: how long has it been since you worked there, Ben? Shit. Uh, A long time. And even still, like, the cell's that good? I Mm, can't even imagine how Waits was hearing it, you know? I mean, weights must have gotten it hard. Oh, boy. Um, well, that's great. Uh, of course, that brings us to da, 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 the orange, no orange twist, twist file. There's no orange twist file. No, there's not. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no orange there's twist no file. There's no orange twist file. Okay, fine. So, uh, tune in next week for the orange twist file. Uh, we'll do a big merchandise spotlight for Fletch. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have some cool guests coming up. We'll do some Fletch fan fiction. We'll read some reviews next week, I think, because we do have some good reviews that we should read next
0: They're
2: week. They're really weird.
1: They're really weird. Uh, but we need to give them their time and their space. Uh, we love the Wachowskis.
2: Please come back to movies. We miss hope them. to see you They'll soon. come back. They're the greatest, and it's been so much fun talking about them, and I'm excited to talk a, about other people.
1: I'll say this. It's been a privilege to talk about yeah, them and to has. watch their films. It, it always is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, please rate, review, <gasps> subscribe. All true. Uh, if you have ideas, any pitches for what we should call our Camera Crow mini series, please throw them out. Yep. Uh, rem- into the garbage. Yep. Throw them into <laughs> your toilet and flush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as always, yeah. Oh, well, nice to meet you. I'm uh, Jim Staff. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.
2: The biggest international festival for the business of podcasting is back. The Podcast Show London will bring together thousands of podcast creators under one roof on the 22nd and 23rd of May also featuring major industry players global brands and some of the most iconic voices in podcasting plus creator meetups networking and an evening festival of unmissable live shows passes from 89 pounds book yours now at the podcast